And welcome in to a very special edition of the BearCast here on Sikkim365.com and the Baylor Athletics on Sikkim365 YouTube page. We come to you not live, but pre-recorded on this National Signing Day Sikkim365 special. Craig Smoke, Grayson Grundhafer, Garrett Ross behind the scenes. Welcome in. Make your way in and settle in for a little while as we're going to be with you for the next couple of hours talking about Baylor football's 2024 National Signing Day class here on the December signing date, number one of two, the second to come into February, of course, the traditional signing day, but this one over the past few years, the busiest, the most raucous, and for Baylor football, it's been the most notable, and that will stand to be the case once again this year, although we'll see how the following weeks play out, but plenty to talk about and plenty to unpack as Dave Aranda and company with some changes already having been made this offseason, some Decisions finally getting solidified as they can ink most of their 2024 signing class. And I do say most because it's not expected to be all, but we'll get into all of what comes with today and what comes with this 2024 class and some other movement going on around this football program, including some more coaches are gone, another coach is in. And oh, yes, the Bears have their quarterback in Dequan Finn, who committed over the weekend. So we'll get into that as well. But uh, Grayson, it's another national signing day. The 2024 class about to make it official, and uh, just how you feeling in general now that this day has arrived? I mean, it has been a very eventful last week or two for Baylor football, just in a variety of ways, whether it's coaching staff, new quarterback, transfer portal, um, and then I think everyone kind of forgets that there's a 2024 class that signs, and, and I, I think that... It's really important in a class that I think a lot of people have talked a lot about. There's been a lot of discussions about this class. A lot of people aren't high on this class. But as you look into it, I think there are some really, really good players here and good fits for this Baylor program. And so I'm excited to talk about them as well as kind of all these other storylines. I mean, we have a a really, really busy day. We also have some good interviews coming up as well. So a lot of things that we're going to be talking about and taking you all through this morning. It's going to be a lot of fun, actually, a lot to talk about. Yeah, there are a lot of headlines. I kind of briefly touched on some of them, and uh, we'll dive in this first segment and and get into all of the major headlines and just kind of touch on those to, to start things off with as a base. And then uh, we'll have some interviews for you. You'll hear from Baylor quarterback signee Nate Bennett. Uh, you also hear from Brock Jackson and Kylan Reed as well. A couple of other commits part of this 2024 class that are becoming signees. Uh, we'll also, um, you know, just kind of weave our way throughout this class. Now, I do want to put a label on this. Uh, we're not live as far as like the signings rolling in and all of that. And I just want to be transparent so that if something goes a little haywire as far as timing, you can at least understand. Typically, we are live, but just timing for us uh, wouldn't allow that to happen this time around. But we're still bringing you the two hours that we normally would or two-plus hours, and we're still bringing you the same thing. Uh, but just want to be very clear up front that if, like, this guy, like Alex Foster surprisingly signs, we're not going to have that because we are talking beforehand. But hey, that would be a good problem to have because that's not expected, and that's one of the storylines that we're going to get into. But, well, uh, Craig, I do want to mention, because last year, you remember, I'm driving up to Waco, and I'm sure you remember this very vividly, and early in the morning, 7 a.m., Austin, Novosad flips to yes. Oregon, and we're like, oh, man. Well, now we have the headline for the day. But I don't expect us to have any storyline like that this year, which, thank goodness, because that, that would not be uh, not be great for us. So if that were to happen, then you understand why we're not reacting to it as is. is all um, I'm trying to get at you there. But we're going to still have every 
ounce and every inch covered that we possibly can. So, yeah, barring some major surprise, this is how everything has been expected to go for quite some time now. And, uh, man, where to start? There's been a lot of transfer commits. There's been uh, a lot of rumblings about Alex Foster. Uh, There's been some coaching changes as well. So you tell me, do you want to go with the commits, the possible signing at some point of Alex Foster? Do you want to go coaching changes here? Because we got to touch on all of them, but which order would you like to start? I think we got to start with the new quarterback in Waco. All right. So uh, after a lot of, you know, hand wringing and a lot of speculation and a lot of wondering, the Bears did land their big time quarterback over the weekend, Daquan Finn of Toledo, one of the uh, big names in the transfer portal, a very stocked quarterback class when it comes to the transfer portal, a lot of movement going on. Um, the Bears needed somebody. You knew that when Blake Shapin officially entered the transfer portal and eventually committed to Mississippi State. That left Sawyer Robertson, who, as we saw this past season, has some skills but not quite ready. And you're not going to just feel great rolling in with him as basically you know, uncontested your starting quarterback next season. They needed to have somebody else in that room, along with R.J. Martinez and uh, Nate Bennett eventually as well. Uh, and so they went scouring, and there was a report that Malik Murphy, former Texas quarterback, was going to be visiting Waco. You can dive into that. Those plans changed for whatever reason you can explain, mostly because they were in on Daquan Finn, and that was kind of their number one target. And that's not just lip service. That's true. That's been the guy that they've been reportedly after here and working on. But Malik Murphy, all of a sudden there were some rumblings about him. That gets changed, whether he visits or not. You know, at this point, I'm, I'm not sure what it even matters or what their thoughts even are. Again, you can kind of clean that up a little bit. Uh, but point being, that got moved. And so this weekend, it was all eyes on Daquan Finn. And quite frankly, even with some good news last week, all the transfer portal activity going on at Tech and TCU and all these different places, I think Baylor fans are like, well, what about us? Like, where's where's the news? And man, it's late Sunday, like Finn's not committed, Murphy's not visiting, like what's going on here? And you were just ready for the Jenga building to fall over again, right? Um, And then finally, like a bottle of water in a desert oasis, there comes the bear uh, signal and Daquan Finn of Toledo on his visit has committed to Dave Aranda and to new OC Jake Spavital. The Bears get their quarterback and Grayson, this was obviously a huge decision. This is a big time player that they were hard after and that they really needed uh, for a variety of different reasons and they've got him and uh, he's in the fold. So what do you make of Daquan Finn and the fact that he's going to become a Baylor Bear? Yeah, I mean, Daquan Finn was the only offer that this staff put out at the quarterback position. He's the only guy that they brought on a visit. I think it was very telling, the Malik Murphy news, that he was going to potentially visit. I felt like it was very interesting when that visit got rescheduled uh, by the Baylor staff because I feel like that was pretty telling on where they felt like Daquan Finn was at in his process. Now, I will say, you know, he did go home and was gone from his visit before he committed to Baylor. So, I mean, it took a little bit of time, and as it does in this process, transfers typically want to really see the process out, get a feel for all their options, but eventually, I mean, it became very obvious where Finn wanted to be. And so now you kind of look at Daquan and you go, okay, so 
what does he bring to the table, right? I mean, this is a guy that's played three years in the MAC conference and has been really, really good all three of those years. I mean, just simply put, when you have over, I think he's over 1,800 total yards of offense and has, he's getting very close uh, to 90 touchdowns uh, during his career at Toledo. So he's been very good. He was the MAC MVP this past year, first team all MAC guy. Um, but I think for me, the biggest thing that I see with Daquan that, that really stands out to me is just the fact that he won football games. And if you look at Toledo in 2017, this was an 11-win team, a really, really good program. And then they went through a lull where they were just barely making bowl games, six wins, seven wins. His first year as the Toledo starting quarterback, he won seven games. Then the next year, he won nine games and a MAC championship. And then last year, won 11 games. This is a guy that is definitely a culture builder, a guy who's got one year of eligibility left. So you know he's going to put everything he has into this one season uh, with the Baylor Bears. And I, I think this is about as good as you could have hoped for in my eyes as a Baylor fan. If you're thinking about, hey, who could Baylor potentially get out of the transfer portal? When you're talking about a guy that has put up this level of production and this amount of wins, I just don't think you can get much better uh, than what they got with Daquan. And just a couple other things to this. I think this does speak highly on where Baylor is at NIL-wise. Um, you know, if you listen to guys like Matt Rule, who says it's going to cost you $1 to $2 million for a starting quarterback. You know, I don't know if it costs that much, but it costs a lot to get a guy of this caliber. They were able to do that. And then also, when you look at the early Vegas odds on where Daquan Finn was going to land, the teams that were mentioned, Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan State, UCLA, Florida State, Oregon, LSU, Miami, Texas A&M, Washington. I'm not saying Baylor beat all those teams, but what I am saying is, Vegas felt that highly of Daquan Finn. I think a lot of programs felt that highly about him, and Baylor was still able to land a guy of this caliber. It's absolutely massive and completely changes the complexion of this roster going into next season at the quarterback position. Yeah, had they not gotten that news uh, and he was still out there here a couple days later, I think there'd be full-on panic and there would be some I mean, real reasons for concern because then where do you turn to? I guess then you re-engage Malik Murphy and you basically try your all there or maybe there's somebody else out there that, you know, they would become interested in. But it seemed like he was all in on Daquan Finn and uh, they get the payoff there at the end. So he pledges. Uh, they've got the quarterback that's got experience, a MAC player of the year uh, this past season, a true dual threat uh, which they have not had at the quarterback spot for quite some time. I mean, they've had guys that can run around a little bit, but as far as a guy who's like running for over 500 yards and who's running for multiple touchdowns uh, and can be, you know, a real weapon, uh, but also still sling it around, uh, they haven't had a guy like that in, I don't know, uh, it's been a long time. I mean, because I, I don't consider, like, Gary was a solid runner, but he, I don't know if he's a, I guess he is a dual threat, but he was not like. He was not very much the dual threat no, passing-wise. Like, no, Like, he was yeah. not a very good. And honestly, his rushing ability, it, and I know Travis has talked about it, I have too, he was not a very natural runner no. of the football. He just was big, physical, and fast. But Daquan is very different. Like you said, I mean, this guy over the last three years, his average rushing yards and touchdowns is basically 600 yards and eight touchdowns is what he's done over the last three years running the football. So, I mean, very productive along with obviously the passing game as well. So that is their first and only transfer portal commit uh, as of right now, but it was a big one, right? No, they they got a couple more. Okay. A couple more. So Oh, yeah, there's, there's – okay, there's a couple yeah. more that I'll have to get to. I'm getting confused with all of the <laughs> – 
got all a lot. of the movement. There's yeah. uh, high school commits. There's JUCO commits. There's uh, a lot of different commits to to have to get to. But uh, this was obviously uh, very huge to go ahead and get him into the fold and. Um, you know, kind of how do you see his, I guess, signing? How does all of that work? The timing of that? Because that's another thing to point out here is that this is National Signing Day. That's when high school guys, JUCO guys, normally all, you know, everybody is signing here. But with transfers, it's a little bit of a different ballgame. It's when they enroll. I mean, that, that's pretty much it. Daquan Finn could flip at any time before he enrolls at Baylor. I mean, that's how the transfer portal works. And I don't anticipate that he will. That doesn't happen all that often. But, I mean, that's just the way that it works. There's no true national signing day for transfers. And so uh, I believe it's like when they sign their financial aid and when they actually get on campus, that's kind of where that all comes to be solidified. But, yeah, so that's why we're not talking about him as a signee. We're not going to talk about a couple or one other guy as a signee either JUCOs are different. JUCOs will enroll in January, and they're actually part of the 2024 class. So there were a couple of commits that rolled in. Uh, one was a transfer, so that's their. Only, they have two transfers, yes. and yeah. then they had a JUCO as well that pledged. So we'll kind of sort through that as well here. But but obviously the DeQuan Finn news is massive. Uh, that fills out your quarterback room. I mean, is that? There's no like re-engaging with Malik Murphy because like, you see that of like, well, we'd still be interested. We'd still go get him. And it's like, man, that's a pretty heavy investment. And by the way, you mentioned Matt Rule wanted $2 million. I think he ended up paying more than that for uh, Dylan Riola, by the way. I think he undercut who he probably. was going to end up uh, signing because I think it probably went for more than uh, his original figure. But good for him. Great for Nebraska uh, that they got uh, Dylan Riola. Um, but I wanted to circle back to that because I was like, man, if he only knew that it was eventually going to probably cost him more than that. But I think they're they're happy with that investment there. But um, For but yeah. sure. And you get him for four years. I mean, Dylan's yeah. a very good prospect, and it caused Kyle McCord to go to Syracuse as well. But I, I think they're done with the quarterback position. Uh, Nate Bennett's going to early enroll, so you'll have him along with R.J. Martinez, Sora Robertson, and, of course, Daquan Finn in your quarterback room. That's plenty deep enough at that point. Um, I, you know, it's all speculation. I think the Malik Murphy thing was kind of a, a non-story because they wanted Fenn. Fenn was their priority. Um, but no, I don't expect them to re-engage or, or go after him at this point. Okay. I just want to set the, uh, the air, make it clear there, set the, the expectations so that we're not sitting here in the, the next couple of weeks of like, was Malik Murphy visiting and all yeah. that? Because yeah, it doesn't seem like you'd have room in the budget, uh, for a couple of, unless you're, uh. Oregon, and then you just sign everybody. And uh, there's a couple signing days ago we were talking about uh, the the horror of a player flipping on National Signing Day to Oregon who really left Baylor in this quarterback lurch to begin with and set the tone for it the past couple of years of them having to kind of scramble in spots for their uh, their quarterback room to get adjusted properly. And, man, he's just sliding down the depth chart up there well, in Eugene, Mr. Austin Novosad. Well, and remember, the only reason that he went to Oregon was because Dante Moore flipped to UCLA right before signing day. And then Oregon got interest in him, and then Oregon ends up flipping Dante Moore right back through the transfer portal, and they get the quarterback they actually wanted, which, you know, it's no slight to Austin. I mean, it's a really tough situation that he is in, but it's just the reason why you go to a place that wanted you as their top option. I mean, that, that's simply put how it is, and we'll see what happens with him going forward uh, because I can't see him just sitting there and waiting for Dante Moore to be the guy. I mean, Would Baylor be interested? I had somebody ask me this because my first thought was, man, after the way that all unfolded, I would be like, you know what? I don't think we're going to throw you a life raft because of the way that unfolded. But I also know he was close to Sean Bell. We're going to get to Sean Bell news here in a second. Yeah. That kind of makes that an easier thing to go ahead and say that probably wouldn't happen, but... 
Uh, that's another question I've received here a couple of times. Um, and so, like with Malik Murphy, let's set the record straight here. Would they want to re-engage with Austin Novosad? Should he hit the portal? Given that they've, they'd be in Oregon, just signed Dylan Gabriel and Dante Moore for just this class alone. Yeah, I just don't really see that happening. I will say I actually think he's a better fit in Jake Spavitol's offense than in Jeff Grimes' offense, even just kind of thinking out loud. But I just I don't really see that happening. I, I don't know why Baylor would go in that direction necessarily. Um, and then Sean Bell leaving, which we're going to get to. He was his lead recruiter. He was recruited by Jeff Grimes as well, who's gone. So I, I think probably too many changes unless Spavital just really, really likes him and, and maybe wants to bring him back if he enters the portal. All right, so Daquan Finn, Baylor lands their quarterback out of the transfer portal. Um, and there's a little bit of an update on a couple of other names that have just been of interest because of portal activity and, you know, uh, and all of that. So uh, setting the record straight, it seems like things have settled in on the quarterback spot uh, moving forward, but not the only transfer portal addition, just two so far. I know that there's people already having panic attacks because TCU's signed like nine guys already and, you know, this school signed 17 guys already and what have you. Um, but I did see the Baylor staff kind of paying attention to those things of like, just because, you know, you don't see us working doesn't mean that we're not. Uh, some subliminal messages out there when Daquan Finn committed of like, hey, see, we're not just sitting here with our, our hands, sitting on our hands, not doing anything. Um, and that wasn't the only announcement that they had is uh, Baylor also added this week UNLV safety Cameron Jenkins. That last name should be familiar. He is the brother of Baylor star freshman Caden Jenkins. Um, and he comes over from the running Rebs to join his brother in the Baylor secondary um, and to uh, also give them a little bit of a lift at a, you know, a group of need, not just a position of need, but a kind of a group of need back there in the back of the defense that will now be run by Dave Aranda for the most part next season. Uh, so following Daquan Finn and a Juco transfer commit that we'll get to, but we'll lump that in with the other yeah. signings. Uh, this one open-ended because it is just a straight-up portal commit. So as we pointed out with Daquan Finn, it's like you never really know when they're going to sign. It's not exactly just it happens on signing day. Uh, but Cameron Jenkins releasing a cool video uh, just yesterday and uh, out there on the McLean Stadium field with the flag and everything else. Um, but the twin brother of Caden Jenkins uh, was a true freshman, had 32 tackles, and then jumped into the portal uh, here just in the last week. So kind of figured that he knew where he was going. Three years of eligibility um, and just uh, was a true freshman this past season. So pretty clear cut on his eligibility there. Um, and so there you go. He joins uh, Daquan Finn as uh, their their next uh, transfer portal commit. So what does this mean to you? Yeah, I mean, so Cameron Jenkins, like you said, as a true freshman, 32 tackles on a team that went 9-4. and four. I mean, that UNLV team was pretty solid this year, and he played a lot. And so I, I think this is a nice pickup. Obviously, you get the connection with Caden Jenkins. Having a twin um, on the team is pretty cool. I love the... Uh, the post that the staff were putting out there, the Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other, the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody meme as well uh, with the twins. That that was really cool. But I think Cameron comes in at a position of need. They're continuing to add depth there, trying to just find the right pieces, right, for the back end of the defense that does need to improve. Uh, he was a member of the 2023 class, and he had 19 scholarship offers from schools like Arkansas, Indiana, Louisville, Purdue, Texas Tech, SMU, Oregon State. But he ends up at UNLV primarily because Barry Odom was at Arkansas. 
And Odom was the safeties coach uh, there at Arkansas, as well as the defense coordinator, I believe. Uh, so he moved to Arkansas, and then uh, Cameron ended up going to UNLV because of that. Then entered the portal and obviously ends up at Baylor. But it's a nice pickup at a position of need. He's a young guy, so you can kind of build around that as well. Um, I don't necessarily expect him to be the starter for Baylor this year, but I do think he'll be in the two deep. So at what position are they eyeing uh, him? How does he fit into the whole puzzle piece back there with uh, Matthew Pallage and company? I think he's probably going to be either a boundary safety or a star um, is kind of my anticipation at the moment. I don't think he's going to be a free safety at this time, but who knows? I mean, he is a guy that kind of played closer line scrimmage, at least at UNLV. Um, but I think he's going to have an impact on special teams. Like, I think he's just going to be a very nice player next year and really slide into more of a role a year from now, I think. More of a starting role, at least. So there's two transfer portal commits uh, and a cool family tie there uh, with the Jenkins family and obviously a big one there with the Quan Finn and getting your quarterback. Now, do we want to fit in the new Juco commit here? Do you want to wait there? Let's put All right, let's the wait. Defense, yeah. There was one other uh, commit this week, but it wasn't portal related. So there's your portal business. Um, here's the deal, Grayson. Uh, they have 15 players really 14 that are expected to sign counting juco's and high school players uh, on national signing day they're expected the only one that's not expected um is alex foster who we will get to in just a moment um but 14 is that the number you're expecting just overall on national signing day or kind of or 13 uh, because there's a little bit of uncertainty as far as uh Graydon grimes goes yeah i think it could be a situation we're going to get to with alex i think there's a situation where he does sign even though he said he's going to wait till February, I think there's a, a possibility that he does sign. And then Graydon Grimes, we'll see. He hasn't been very vocal about his commitment. He hasn't been, you know, saying a whole lot. So I think those two are kind of the ones that are up in the air as far as signing. I think 13 are guaranteed to sign, or at least I feel like they're guaranteed to sign. Um, and then those two are kind of still out there, and, and we'll see, honestly. All right, so anywhere between 13 and 15. And if it's more than 13 and it's an unexpected signing, uh, that would point to Alex Foster, uh, who we've mentioned now a few times, and he is almost like the crown jewel of this class at this point, um, and that's why it's such a big deal to keep talking about him. He's at a major position of need as a defensive lineman. Uh, those are just players at a premium, and uh, the Texas Longhorns, uh, with all the momentum that they have, which is all the momentum in the world right now, being a playoff team and winning the Big 12 and just – you know, in this NIL and portal era, they are set up as well as anybody to, to really feast off of that, especially when they're having the type of on-field success that they're having. And so they have come calling for Alex Foster, and uh, not the first time. It's almost a yearly tradition at this point that Texas comes in and tries to pick off at least one Baylor commit. And there were years ago where uh, they would go and grab like four guys, and they would miss on every single one of them. Uh, there was the whole... Uh, Bryles ending of the tenure when they scooped in and or sw swept in and picked apart like vultures that class with uh, Patrick Hudson and J.P. Urquidez and uh, Devin gosh, Duvernay. Yeah, Devin Duvernay and Donovan Duvernay. And Devin Duvernay worked out well. The yeah. other three didn't amount to really any impact whatsoever for ver a variety of reasons. But that was years ago. That was like a decade ago at this point. Um, recently been a little bit more selective, and they've hit. Like, Jade Barron was a massive get. Byron Murphy was a massive get. Um, Ryan Watts. Ryan Watts. Out of the portal. Yeah. Uh, but he wasn't uh, flipped like the other two no. were. Barron and Murphy were are now, like, all-American, all-Big yeah. 12 players that were committed to Baylor. Barron actually signed 
and then had his release from his letter of intent like a month later, and he's turned into a, a total stud. And so here they come, and it's like, uh-oh, is this going to be another J- uh, Jade Barron? Is this going to be another uh, Byron Murphy? Uh, Alex Foster um, from Mississippi, um, right there in SEC country, which is kind of like, okay. Texas has been really rumored with him for a while now as far as their interest level, but he went and visited Austin this past weekend, and he had the pictures on his timeline, and he was tagging all the folks over there and clearly enjoyed himself, but then he's turning right around, and he's you know highlighting the, the Quan Finn. Was it, or I think it was the Quan Finn commitment. Yeah, he highlighted my tweet with a bear. Yeah, yeah had the bear. So like, yeah. there's a little bit of that. that we're trying to read in between the lines on 17- and 18-year-olds here, right? But uh, clearly there's a little bit of a tug-of-war going on. He announced after his visit to Austin that he would be signing in February. So as we record this, as close as we can to being live, uh, he is not expected to sign on signing day, and he's expected to wait until February. What is your latest intel and expectation on Baylor commit Alex Foster? Right, so I, I think I want to start by saying that the importance of landing him. He's actually my top rated prospect in this signing class. This is a guy that they absolutely need to keep in this class. He just won a state championship there at St. Joseph. He had 68 tackles, 20 for loss and 11 sacks on the season. Also had a receiving touchdown, but great prospect. So that's kind of the first part of this. Now where, where things are at with him. So I actually talked to him Thursday night before he announced he was going on the Texas official visit Uh, He just said, you know, he was going to take that trip, wanted to see what they had to offer, went on that visit, spent the whole weekend there. I talked to him again on Monday, um, and basically it, he was very honest, you know, Baylor is still his top choice. Baylor is still the school that uh, he thinks is, you know, number one right now. Um, His whole thing is he's not enrolling early and his school signing day is all the way in, um, in February. And so it's the whole signing with your teammates, signing with your classmates and all of that. That's what he's told me. And so I think the big thing right now is just, you know, he's still trying to make up his mind on when he wants to sign. I know he posted that it would be in February, but I don't think that is a completely done deal, which is why I do think there's a little bit of room there. The door's not entirely closed on him signing uh, tomorrow or Thursday or whenever he, you know, potentially signs. I don't think the door's completely shut on that, but it is absolutely something to watch because the longer this drags out, the more pessimistic I'm sure Baylor fans are going to be about their chances. Um, even though right now, you know, there's not a ton to worry about because if he did sign on Wednesday, it would absolutely be Baylor. Yeah, so that is a storyline to have to continue watching unless he does, in fact, sign here in the next few hours. And then, bam, what a huge get that would be. Um, If it's Texas, then you know what? He could go the way of a J.P. Urquidez, and we just never really see him again, although that's doubtful. He's a really good player. Uh, More like he would be another Byron Murphy situation or Jade Barron, which uh, would be a tough pill to swallow. Um, but he's got you know a big decision to make, and I think it's a good sign he didn't commit to Texas over the weekend. I mean that would have been the the worst outcome would have been to flip and then turn around and sign you know Wednesday with Texas. I mean that was a real possibility. So the fact that he's still a Baylor commit is at least something to hold on to, and um, we'll see what happens there. But 
Um, whether or not we get resolution today or not, uh, that remains to be seen. But obviously a huge, huge target for Baylor to try and hold on to, and that's going to be quite the battle for them there. All right, so as far as other news, before we get into our first interview here, uh, and this does kind of tie in together, we talked about Daquan Finn at the top and the fact that Baylor landed their quarterback when they brought in new OC Jake Spavital. You knew that they were going to work on Blake Shapin. Well, Blake Shapin ends up going to Mississippi State, um, and so then it was even more apparent that what was already a need at quarterback was an even greater need. Well, they get their quarterback, but when all that took place, another change that occurred was Jake Spavital took over as uh, your OC and your quarterback's coach, and that led to a movement on the staff, uh, particularly when it comes to Sean Bell, who had been your quarterback's coach here the past couple of years. Well, with Spavital taking that spot, the idea was that Sean Bell would remain on staff and shift over to tight ends where he had been previously. And, you know, you kind of wonder there is like, huh, one step forward, two steps back. Like, how do you sort of view that? Um, well, um, suddenly there on Sunday, news comes out sort of out of the blue that Sean Bell is on the move. And so is his brother, Brian, who's been serving as an analyst. Um, has it been two years now? I guess the past yeah. couple of seasons that, that Brian's been on staff as well. Uh, both, you know, very successful high school coaches. Brian with China Spring, one state before joining the staff. Sean before uh, joining years ago the Baylor staff and coming back to his alma mater with uh, Matt Rule, uh, the first uh, you know kind of step into the college football waters and then turned to, to being on Aranda staff and so on and so forth these past few years. He was very successful at Cedar Ridge. There was some thought that you know maybe he could get back into high school football, but you know. Hadn't really heard a lot of chatter about him. And then you just sort of wondered, though, with this move of like, man, is he going backwards? Is he going sideways? Like, how's that going to sit with, you know, him, these staff changes? Well, however it unfolded, uh, he wanted a little bit something different. And Sean Bell is on the move. And he is going to still be coaching quarterbacks, it looks like. But he's going to be doing it uh, as well in the Big 12. The only difference is that it will be for the Houston Cougars, and Brian will be along with him. I think they're still sort of settling the roles last I looked, like as far as the exact title and everything, but it appeared that Sean was going to be the quarterback's coach. I'm not sure about Brian exactly, um, but yeah, they're joining up with brand new Houston head coach Willie Fritz. Brian played for him at Sam Houston State, so there is the connection there with the Bell family going way back and just being in the same circles uh, Mr. Bell, uh, their father, longtime high school football head coach. So uh, there's a lot of history there. And you know what? Uh, Sean, as I pointed out, has been on staff for several years now. He's done a few different things. Uh, quarterbacks, tight ends moved around. Uh, Brian, obviously, getting into the game a couple of years ago on the college side of things. Uh, this, to me, is just a natural progression, a natural evolution of a coach um, and bouncing around, going and coaching for different people. You add in the familiarity there, and you add in sort of the – I don't want to call it stale, but sort of the lack of upward momentum for Sean in particular. And I'm not surprised by this move. I was just surprised because I wasn't really expecting it right now. Um, but what say you as far as the impact of the Bells leaving? I will say Alex Foster's avatar is he and Brian Bell on his visit. And uh, that is you know who we just got done talking about and who's waiting to sign in February. But you had that. 
Um, you know, we talked about Austin Nova side and any chances of reengaging there, but obviously there's there's changing out the quarterback spot. So how do you view the Sean Bell move? Uh, Brian Bell and and them joining the Houston Cougars. Yeah, so Brian Bell was helping with the defensive line, and that's why he was with the picture with Alex Foster. Again, Foster's primary you know contact was Dennis Johnson um, for a lot of this process. But yeah, I mean, it's tough to see them go. I feel like Sean was probably overly criticized by a lot of people. The work that he did in 2021 to make Gary Bohannon a more than functional quarterback in this offense was. I'm not going to call it a miracle, but it was something to behold. I mean, it, it was crazy. And you look at how Gary has played over the last few years. I mean, it's pretty obvious he's not, you know, a, a great quarterback. He's a fine quarterback and a guy who they got the most out of. And so I think Sean kind of did the same thing with Blake Shapin to an extent. I mean, last year there was nothing you could really do at the position, but I, I do feel like he was kind of maybe more heavily criticized than he should have been. I actually think he did a pretty good job. There were some areas of concern like recruiting. But if you look at where the room is at right now with Sora Robertson and Nate Bennett coming in, you got Adam Schobel committed in the 2025 class for now. Um, and, you know, I, I think they're in a pretty good spot, even with him leaving. And I think he kind of needed to make this move. It gives him a much uh, better chance of becoming an OC sooner, uh, being a quarterback's coach instead of kind of taking a little bit of a demotion to coach tight ends once again, which he's already done. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense for him. It's unfortunate because obviously he's a Baylor Bear and he's a guy who's kind of a, I mean, he is a Baylor legend to some degree. Um, so it's hard to see guys like that leave the program. But no effect on commits or anything along those lines. I don't as see, far it, as having, see it. Yeah, I don't see it having much of an impact. I, I know that uh, Nate, I mean, so in my interview with Nate Bennett, we actually talk about Sean staying. And so I know that's going to come across a little bit tough, right? Because he's no longer going to be at Baylor. But I do think Nate's connection with Jake Spavitol and his belief in the offense, I think still will solidify things, at least for now. And also Rhett Holcomb is still on Baylor staff and Rhett and Nate are pretty close as well. Well, there is uh, one issue here is that it was, you know, kind of nice to see them for at least a few hours actually have their staff uh, solidified because this past week they also uh, hired Chris Kapilovic as their new offensive line coach coming over from Michigan State and if my pronunciation is wrong on that at all I tried to look it up but uh, I do get that right eventually and once I get it right I will always get it right but uh, just in case I get it wrong this first time just bear with me here um, but that was a spot filled about a week ago Grayson and so did we talk about that on the Bearcast last week? I can't recall if we did or not, uh, if the timing lined up for it or not. But um, your thoughts on that, because that did solidify the staff, and then now you have an opening at, uh, not quarterbacks coach, but at tight ends coach. So um, thoughts on uh, the offensive line hire, but do you see them going out for a tight ends coach? Is that something where you can hire from within because now that's the lingering staff question that remains. Yeah, so I guess the tight end spot, I do feel like they're going to go out and hire someone. I actually think they're probably going to put an emphasis on recruiting. Um, but I also think they need to put an emphasis on finding a really good coach because they're very talented in that tight end room. And it's something that I do think they can build on, even in this offensive scheme, as we've seen Jake Spavitol utilize his tight ends in the past. Uh, as far as Chris Kapilovic goes, I mean, I, I think he's a really, really nice fit for what Baylor needs. He was 
the top priority for the staff as far as who they wanted on the offensive line. Uh, And he's a guy who has gone out and had really productive offenses. And I know people want to point to what happened at Michigan State, but here's the simple fact. Mel Tucker, not a good football coach. I think that's pretty obvious. And they were kind of in the gutter last year. And so to put all that blame on him is kind of ridiculous. I've heard Michigan State fans, they were in my, uh, you know, just commenting on my tweet about him saying how he hasn't been a good coach at all, how Kenneth Walker is the only reason the offense line was good that one season. I mean, sure, but the only thing they did well that whole year was run the football, and they did that at an elite level, and then the following years, they just didn't have good players, honestly, and Mel Tucker was not a good coach. And so I think him getting back to this more spread offense, what he did at North Carolina, very, very good. What he did at Southern Miss, even more impressive uh, with Larry Fedora there, that that tie and that connection. I think it's going to fit really, really well at Baylor. And uh, we're going to see how they do in the transfer portal. Uh, he's a very good recruiter, so I'm anticipating him doing a pretty nice job revamping that group. Uh, but I'm also pretty confident in his coaching ability. I, I think he's going to be a, a pretty nice upgrade, especially as they kind of go to this more air raid scheme. All right, so there is a grab bag, a huge bag. I mean, Santa Claus-like bag of news, uh, you know, here right before Christmas as we approach the holidays and we get this first National Signing Day underway. So Baylor lands their quarterback to the transfer portal and Daquan Finn also pick up a, another transfer defensive back with Caden uh, Jenkins uh, having his twin brother now uh, joining him in the Baylor secondary a uh, couple of commits that we haven't touched on, but we'll get into in the, the bulk of our uh, signing class rundown. An update on Alex Foster and where he sits. And again, we pre-recorded this because of just situation that we had to do it that way. And so if Alex Foster ends up signing, surprise, that'd be a great surprise. But most likely he's waiting until February and Texas is a threat, but right now still committed to Baylor. The Bell brothers, Sean and Brian, both on their way to Houston uh, to go join Willie Fritz's staff. So Baylor now on the lookout for a tight ends coach. Um, And Jake Spavital, of course, had already taken over quarterbacks. So I think that's about all of the news that we need for right now. Um, And so let's go ahead and transition. Uh, You mentioned Nate Bennett, and that is um, Baylor's quarterback commit for this 2024 class. Been committed uh, for quite a long time now. Um, you will hear him talk about Sean Bell because this was a pre-recorded interview, and uh, that's just the way that we had to do it. So that obviously is a little bit different, um, and Sean Bell is now going to be headed to Houston, but that shouldn't shake anything as far as Nate Bennett goes. Uh, 6'2", 170-ish from Westlake Village, California, and Oaks Christian, uh, the school that he's been uh, playing out uh, playing at out west, uh, had Uh, offers from San Jose State and Utah State, among some others, but committed to Baylor uh, quite a while ago and now making it official. And Grayson had an opportunity to talk to Baylor's 2024 quarterback commit. And now here was signing day, turning into a signee and making it official in Nate Bennett. Welcome into the signing day show. I am here with Baylor commit, Baylor signee, Oaks Christian quarterback, Nate Bennett. Um, Nate, how's it going, man? I'm glad we found some time today to, uh, to talk a little bit about your signing day. You excited? Yeah, I'm pumped. Um, it's a great opportunity. It's been a dream of mine, so I got nothing to complain about. Appreciate you having me on. 
Absolutely. I know you've been really busy kind of getting everything together. You're early enrolling. Um, I know you've been lifting, working out. What's that kind of been like for you as you kind of get ready to, to not, not just sign, but also enroll early at Baylor? Yeah, it's been difficult and it's been a lot, but I think that's part of the process. And I think I'm super excited just for all the opportunities that are ahead. Um, like I said, it's a dream come true. Um, and I've been committed to Baylor for a while now. So um, everything I've been doing, whether it's with school or with football, um, has been kind of gearing up towards leaving and, and getting there in January. So I'm super excited and, and super grateful. So Awesome, man. So typically how I like to do this, we're going to go kind of back in time a little bit and, and go through your recruitment, talk a little bit about kind of what happened, how you ended up at Baylor. And then, of course, we'll talk a little bit more about kind of current things going on, because I know there's been a lot of changes for you, actually, yeah. um, at Baylor. So I guess the first part is, you know, a lot of Baylor fans didn't know who you were initially, you know, being from California, you were yeah. completely off the radar for most. Um, mm -hmm. What was that like for you? Just kind of being unknown for a really long time. And then of course, Sean Bell, Rhett Holcomb ended up finding you. Yeah, I think um, it's super funny. Cause I, it's like from the outside perspective and from other people, that's how it looked and that's how it felt. It's kind of like, it's really random. Like this kid from California, super under-recruited, um, don't really know who he is. Um, I think to me personally, it was just kind of like, I've always loved Baylor and I didn't realize how uncommon that was for them to look at like, not even just a quarterback, but any position from California. Um, cause you really don't see a lot of dudes from this area going out to Baylor, going out to anywhere in Texas to be quite frankly. So, um, I think it was a weird thing. I think it was an exciting thing, but, um, it just kind of, to me, felt like, okay, I'm just playing football and I'm going to do, at this point, it was like my junior season, like right after my junior season was kind of when things started to pick up more. And it was like, um, we might get into it, but it wasn't the season that I really wanted to have. Um, so it was kind of just like, I'm just going to do whatever I can to put myself in the best position to um, get seen and not to strive or not to push for that, um, like fully, but just to do my job. And I think that I firmly believe that you work hard, you put yourself in a position to succeed, that you, people are going to find you. Um, and so I was just obviously doing my part to get seen, but at the end of the day, just working hard. And so, yeah, under-recruited, yeah, from California, yeah, super random. But to me, it was just like, I know who I am. Like, I know what I can do. And so um, I just need someone to believe in me, and then I'm going to take that and run with it. So um, that's kind of how it felt. I don't know if that answers your question, but it was definitely an interesting situation, especially from the outside looking in. But me personally, it was just like, okay, awesome. Another opportunity. And just, it was a place I wanted to be. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I mean, things kind of picked up rather rapidly, I would say, because you, you're going to have to help me keep an order here. Because I know yeah. Sean Bell came yeah. out, watched you throw, you visited in March, you visited again mm -hmm. in April. Um, I guess kind of take me through that little bit of a process. Then also from those trips that you came on, what kind of stood out to you initially about Baylor? Yeah, um, I can answer the second part first. I think uh, you. I think you know this, but my parents went to Baylor, um, and I actually lived in Waco when I was like three years old for a little bit. When they were like just married and and just had finished up at Baylor, and it was kind of like I don't remember it all a lot. I have pictures, but that's about it and stories. But um, I kind of known the culture of Baylor, and I think even since that time, it's changed a lot. But just the foundation is the same. Like it's. University of Baylor. There's a lot of integrity. There's a lot of um, certain principles that they stand by that I really love and my family really loves. 
And so I think when I like first went back on like at least my first visit, um, I could still feel that. And like my, even my family was like, wow, like it feels just like when we were there and you know, whatever year, 2000 something. So I think Baylor is just a place where like, they really care like outside of football. And that was the first thing I noticed, like put football aside, put how talented you are aside. Like they care about you as a person, which was really, really important to me and my family. And so that was like the initial draw was like, wow, this is incredible. And like, yeah, Baylor was my best option, but like, I don't think I even wanted to think of it from that perspective. I was just like, okay, where can I thrive? Where can I be in a place where I'm going to be loved and I'm going to be developed as a human being and as a quarterback. And um, even after meeting Sean or coach bell and just like a lot of these coaches, I was just like, this is a place where they care and this is a place where I can thrive. And so the following visits as well, I felt the exact same thing, nothing to change. Um, so I'm just very fortunate to be a guy that they believe in. And, you know, that's kind of, Kind of it, but yeah, I mean, so I guess what did uh, Sean Bell, Rhett Holcomb, what did they tell you kind of that I guess they liked about your game? Because I remember at that time it was kind of weird because they were recruiting a bunch of different quarterbacks. Yeah. They didn't land any of them. And then they were kind of looking around trying to figure out who they were going to recruit as yeah. their quarterback. So I guess what did they see in you and, and what do you feel like they saw in you that kind of made you the top option, the, the only guy that they offered after that? Yeah. Um, it's funny you ask that. I think I actually, when I, he was at my at-home visit, Coach Bell, I like asked him that for like almost the first time, like directly. I was like, I always wondered this, like, what was the thing? You know what I mean? Because I mean, obviously they had told me a few things like they wanted to see improve, like, because he saw me throw, you know, twice. So it was like, the next time, what do you, what do you want to see that's different? Like, I know what you like, but what do you want to see that's different? And that was really what I focused on was like, how can I get better? not just for them, but like for myself, cause I'm always trying to get better. But, um, I know they really liked like my ability to extend plays. Um, and I think I showed that more, um, in my senior season, which hopefully got them more excited, but, um, my ability to extend plays. Um, I like to pride myself on like being able to throw different arm angles, just kind of get the ball wherever it needs to be. If you like your feet aren't set, you got to freaking throw it like Patrick Mahomes, like do that. Not comparing myself to Patrick Mahomes. That's the goal, but that's, that's a, you know, different situation. But I think um, just the mobility in the pocket as well, I think they really like. It's like I can run if I need to, but I'm kind of looking to throw when I move. Um, and so just being able to escape and, um, yeah, I don't know. I think hopefully there's other stuff. I think there is, and I think yeah. I'll be able to show that. But, um, yeah, I think they just liked how I played. I, I try to stay calm, try to keep plays alive, and so – um, looking forward to bringing that to Baylor. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. I think you showed that when you came to camp and you were able to compete a little bit also with, you know, another Baylor commit and Adam Schobel, who's the 2025 guy. Yeah. That was really cool. I mean, what'd you think about that moment? I know that's a little bit later down the timeline, but what would you think about just kind of getting to know him a little bit better and yeah. just competing really? Yeah. I, freaking love Adam. Like even like I I met him for the first time at that camp, like coach bell. We, we walked up, I, I introduced myself to him and I was like, first of all, this kid's freaking tall. Like what the heck? He's like six, six and I'm six, six also. So right. I'm not, but <laughs> no, Adam's awesome. So we just started talking and had a conversation. I was just trying to ask him questions and um, yeah, he's, he's an awesome guy to be around. And then in terms of the camp and just like competing, I was like, I mean, we're like the two commits, like 
I think people had kind of like figured that out. Like the other freaking was it 90 guys there. Like it was a bunch of people there, like quarterbacks there. And so I was just like, well, like when I go up, like you should go up, like we should go at the same time. And I think we tried to do that a couple of times, but, um, Adam's really talented. He can sling the ball. So it was fun to just see that. And, um, not really like this, like battle of like competing with each other in a weird way. It was just like, we're going to be on the same team, the same quarterback room. Like let's make each other better. Um, and just like go play football. And so it was fun to see him throw and, um, throw some routes with him and just kind of like pick his brain a little bit and just ask him questions and get to know him as a person. So it's fun. And we've stayed connected, stayed in touch. So it's, it's been a good building of that relationship that, you know, is going to, you know, hopefully go on the next couple of years and, and being in the quarterback room together. So, yeah, that's great. And, and so, okay, so let's rewind really quick because I do want to ask you got offered May 17th. I'm sure that that long waiting period was probably crazy for you. You're just like, is this offer ever going to come? Is this what's going on? And man, you did not waste any time. Once the offer came, you you committed pretty much immediately. Um, What do you remember about that time and how excited were you and your family just about getting the offer? And then of course, Mm -hmm. accepting the offer as well. Yeah. I mean, it was like, like you said, May 17th, like that whole couple days when it like all developed, um, was like surreal. It's just like, this is insane. And I think, like you said, the process was so long and there was so much that went into it and so much like it could have been overthinking or just like, okay, like, is this going to happen? Like, I really want this, but you know, at the end of the day, they're going to pick who they want. And all I can do is my job. Like what? And like going back to what I said earlier, like, what can I do to put myself in the best position? And a lot of it is nothing. Like you just got to, like control what you can control um and when he comes out and watch me throw i'm gonna throw really well and when i do this you know so i you know what i mean so whatever they want me to do i'll do but i was just like if this is supposed to happen and if this is what god has for me then that's gonna come to fruition and thankfully um i saw that happen but it was a crazy time like i remember when we got the facetime call it was just like my mom was like crying and i was like oh shoot okay this is like real um and so i was just like thankful like in that moment i was like this is insane and because the process was so long, I think I had so much time to think like, okay, if this happens, like I'm going there. Like, <laughs> there's no question. Like, this is where I want to be. Um, and I think they were looking for that too. They're like, you know, the guy we want to offer, like we want him to be Baylor all the way. Like we don't want to be waiting on him. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of tired of waiting on y'all. So like, this should just happen. And then I'll go, you know, like yeah. I'll commit to Baylor. And so that was kind of like, they knew that. Um, so it was almost like when I got the offer, it was like my commitment as well. It was like, okay, let's do it. Like we were both on the same page. So, um, it was an insane day. One of the best days of my life for sure. So, um, yeah, awesome. I'm, I mean, when I reached out to you and you kind of said, you know, why you committed and everything like that, it was, it was quite the quote. You, you definitely, um, you could tell how much it meant to you. So, so that was yeah. really, really cool to, to kind of hear that. And I know, you know, from that point on took official visits, you were completely locked mm-hmm. in, um, mm-hmm. from that moment. But I do want to talk to you a little bit because moving to the field side of things, you had a great sophomore year. You threw for 41 touchdowns, mm-hmm. 3000 yards. Um, it was awesome. Like you had a great season and then you go over yeah. to Oaks Christian and you really, it, it wasn't even just that, you know, whether you struggled or not, it was also yeah. like you were, going in with different quarterbacks every week. There were like four yeah. quarterbacks in that room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was that like for you? What, where did the struggles come from? And then how did that kind of shape your mindset going into your senior year? 100%. Um, I think I'll start off by saying this. I think my junior season, everything that happened um, 
it was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Like going back, I don't think I changed anything. Um, and so I was at, like you said, my sophomore year killed. It was amazing. I started like my freshman and sophomore year. Freshman year was cut short because of COVID, but smaller school, um, like, Oh, so much to that coach and to that team. Like I learned so much and grew so much. Um, but I played really, really well. Like you said, put up really good numbers. We made the playoffs, won our first playoff game and however many years. And it was awesome. Never intended on leaving. Um, but then I think as kind of some things unfolded, which looking back now, I think was a God thing. And I think was kind of like the path was so clear and so like perfect, or at least it seemed like at the time it was like, this is what I need to do. Um, and it was a great opportunity. So transferred to Oaks started my junior, junior year. And I think I was super naive to believe that I was just going to, it was going to go in there and it's going to be like, this is just going to be easy. Like 50 touchdowns. Like I'm the best quarterback of all time. Like this is awesome. And so, and as any quarterback would tell you, that's not the case because you rarely see guys who start and then just like go up and it would just keep going up. Like it's, there's a pit coach bell calls it this. He calls it the pit um, that every quarterback hits. And it's just like, what do you do when you get in the pit? Like what, what happens when you're in that point? And so I think, that I would like to say that whole junior season was just the pit. And it was like, I was really hoping it wouldn't last that long, but that was just kind of the case. And so new coaches, different offense, playing with guys who are really, really good, like D1 everywhere. I think like my junior season when I, like I was the only starter that didn't have a division one offer, like offense or defense, like we were just stacked and on the other end, it's like you're also playing teams a lot, a lot of points in the season that are like insane as well. So it's kind of like that balancing. But I just it took me to be completely honest with you. It took me a long time to adjust to like you got to be a different player. You got to be a different leader. Like everything's got to get enhanced, which is going to be the case when I go to college too. And so I think it took me a long time to catch on to that. And a lot of like I think at points was like self doubt of like, okay, why did I do this? Or like, this is a mistake or stuff that I even might've thought was unfair. Um, they just didn't, whether it was with other quarterbacks or with how the coach was. Um, and again, just stuff you can't control. And so I just had to keep slowly working and working and working. And the stats did not look great. My junior season, we didn't win in the playoffs. Like we wanted to, I was hurt like twice the whole year. Um, like playing through injuries and it's just like that's part of football and that happened and now what are you going to do to get out of it and so I think I learned so much um, in terms of just like life and being a human being besides football I feel like football wise that was just kind of like a year to put aside um, and not that I didn't learn a lot and thankfully I had enough good plays and good film to, to get me where I am but um I think I needed to go through that because I think part of me was just like had this envisionment of what my process was going to be like. And that's just not how it works. And so I'm so glad that it happened like that. And yeah, it kind of gave me a pathway into, okay, this is how it's going to be. And this is how I have to be in order to succeed in my last year. And so I think I kind of took that into my senior season and it helped me a lot. So yeah, yeah you definitely had version, but Yeah. I mean, yeah. you had the bounce back though. Your senior yeah. year, you, you really did. Um, yeah. Completed 73% of your passes, which is way up from anything you did, even yeah. in your really good year, your sophomore year. Yeah. Uh, 1,800 yards, 19 touchdowns, just three interceptions. I know 
you ran the ball a ton. You had two really, really good running backs at Oaks Christian. And, and mm-hmm. y'all, I, I believe you didn't play many second halves, at least for a large stretch. Of the <laughs> yeah. Game. Yeah. It, it was, I mean, a lot of so like I was hurt the first couple games, first three games um, with a back injury. And then we kind of like got into our league schedule and like, we were just like the best team kind of thing. Like we had the best players and our league wasn't super great this year. So like I would, it was so frustrating, like from a player's perspective, just like, I want to freaking play football. And like, we'd be up like 45 to zero at halftime. And it's like, all right, well, don't need to play you. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And like, I would fight it a little bit, but it's like, this is amazing. I'm finishing my high school season strong, but this isn't the end goal. You know what I mean? This isn't what I'm looking towards. And like, I remember like one of my friends was like, dude, like, bro, your stats like aren't going to look good. Like you're, you're not going to like, look like you could have thrown for like 40. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not like, who cares? At least from my perspective, I'm like, dude, like, I just want to win games. We're winning games. I want to get myself ready for Baylor. and I want to come out healthy. I did all three of those things. So that's a success to me. I mean, ultimately we didn't finish like we wanted to lose in second round to a really good mission BAO team. So I think they actually won state. They were a good team, but we just had injuries and, and couldn't put it all together. And it's just a learning moment for, for our team. But um, yeah, I had, I think the main difference, I had so much fun my senior year of just like getting out of my head from stuff from my junior year of like overthinking things. Um, and I was super comfortable with the offense and me and my coach were on the same page and I was just like, dude, I have like nothing to lose. And that also helped like, I'm, I'm committed to Baylor and not that I was like, now I can just do whatever I want. Like I just be reckless, but it's like, there is a security blanket and it's like, I want to play good for my team and for Baylor. Like I want to make Baylor look good. And so that was part of the motivation as well. And I was just like, I'm just going to go out there and rip it and, and have fun. And I think I accomplished that and, and got myself ready um, to play college football. So. It was a bounce back year for sure. Yeah. So while y'all were having a really good year, on the other end of things, Baylor was uh, was struggling uh, in yeah. a big way this season. Um, what was it like for you to kind of watch them struggle? And what were some of, I guess, your thoughts, takeaways? Just what did you think about you know them going through a really tough season like they did? Yeah, I think that obviously it was like inside of like Waco and I mean you probably experienced this more than me or within the players coaches fans it was really frustrating because like this was like this wasn't supposed to happen kind of thing you know what I mean and um a lot of people are like oh this is year you know five or four for coach Aranda like we should be farther on or like we have so much talent we should be farther on and I think what people don't realize is like you know being as a guy committed to Baylor and in contact with like coaches and whatnot and just checking in and obviously watching every game like I think people can can often discard like disregard kind of like the other stuff of like you guys are freaking out and saying like putting the blame on this person putting the blame on that person like this is ridiculous but like you don't really know you know what I mean like what goes into it or like how a football program is run or some outside things that like like you can't control um and so I think that I was even, you know, talking to Coach Randa the other day at my my home visit, and it's just like they take responsibility and, and they they recognize like we fell short and we had certain things that that didn't go our way. Um, but I think like watching a struggle it was kind of like this is unfortunate, but it got me excited in a sense of like, wow, I can come in here and like I can do my best to help this, and I know that regardless of the record, regardless of what the games looked like or how terrible it looked like. I know who these coaches are 
and I know the talent we have and I know what the foundation of Baylor is. Um, so I'm like not worried about the future and I'm not worried about, um, what's, what's next because I just like know and firmly believe that that's going to, that's going to change. And the truth is like, it takes time. Like you just got to trust the process. And as a player, you know, or at least I should say as a person, I'm, I'm pretty patient and I know Baylor fans and, and any fan who wants to see their team win is not patient. And that's so normal. And I'm a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, unfortunately. <laughs> They're great this year, but it's like, I'm not patient with the Cowboys. Just like maybe a fan of Baylor is probably not patient. Like you just want to win, you want to win. And that's coming. But I think situations like this and seasons like this, it's kind of how I felt with my junior season. Like it kind of, kind of opened your eyes to see some things you need to change and some things that need to develop. Um, Cause college football's changing and, and, and every t- teams are climbing. So you just got to keep climbing and you can't stay in the same place. So I know that the coaches and, and the players are doing a lot of different things to, to get to that point, which that's all you can ask for is just keep getting better and keep growing. So um, not the season they wanted, but I know that it's going to get better and it's only up from there. So I'm excited to see what, what next year holds and it'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I know for you, um, unlike a lot of commits, I would say, cause you know, I know there was talk about a coaching change that obviously didn't happen, yeah. but you did have an important change with the staff. Mm-hmm. So Sean Bell is going to be coaching tight ends. Now he's yep. still at Baylor though, which I'm sure is really cool for you. Yeah. Big Spavital is coming in to be the offense coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Um, I know Sean came and visited you right in California. Um, yeah. and you've gotten to talk to Jake, kind of take me through kind of what's going on there and how those initial conversations with, uh, Jake Spavital have been. Yeah. So, um, when coach ball, coach Bell was at my home, um, that was when he was the, the new Titans coach. So he'd already been um, in that position. So that was kind of something we talked through too, of just, you know, he's obviously the, guy I'm probably closest with on the staff just because he was the first and he was the guy who came and watched me throw. He was the guy that I was in communication with. He was the guy that offered me. And so there was this super and still is a super close bond there. Um, and just like forever grateful for that man. And I know how good of a quarterback coach he was with all the stuff and all the, because all the blame goes on the quarterbacks, which is just part of the job. And it's you're the hero with zero. There's no in between. And you just got to live with that. And so I think as the quarterback's coach, you know, it's his job to develop quarterbacks. And so I just see from the, the inside, you know, of, of things. And it's like, he was an amazing quarterback coach. And so I think he would have been a great guy to develop me. And that's obviously we've seen that that's kind of not how it pans out, but even talking to him about his new role um, and he's, he's built a great relationship with coach Bav um, and they've been in communication a lot of just like, he's still going to be, you know, a big part of the offense and, and, and helping with quarterbacks in any way he can. So I think, that relationship's not going to change. It'll just look a little different as he's not in the quarterback meeting room, you know what I mean? Or he's not doing drills with me, which, you know, after talking to coach Spavadol and getting to know him and kind of looking at, I mean, we've all seen the quarterbacks that he's coached. Like, how could you not be excited about that? And just the offense that he runs and the points that they score and the yards that they throw for, like as a quarterback, it's like, dude, this is thick. And I think it really is cool. And even coach Bell was telling me this, like, to have the offensive coordinator be the quarterback coach as well is, is really cool because you get more time with them in the individual um, meeting room and just get to pick his brain as like, you know, he is calling the plays that you're running. And so I think that relationship just gets even stronger when he's, you know, the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach. So coach battle are awesome. Like I've, and, and the little that I've talked to him, you know, 
like this, you know, uh, and, and just texting him. And he seems like really excited about Baylor. And I know the staff has received him really well. And the players are always hanging around him and just like picking his brain, watching his film. Um, and I've even watched some games from Cal last year and just like, okay, what's this going to look like? Cause you know, with personnel and with players, stuff's going to change, but the foundation stays the same. So I'm like, just trying to watch it and be like, can I see myself doing this? Oh yeah, I can. Or can I, you know what I mean? So like, what's it going to look like? So coach Spav is awesome. So I can't wait to um, fully get to experience all that he does and, and, and kind of how he, he wants to play football, tempo football. So I think it fits my play style. Well, I think as much as I love coach Grimes and think that he's amazing and and he believed in me from the start, I think change is good. And I think coach Babadol is going to be able to, um, do some things with the offense that are, that are pretty special. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. Are you excited about going to a spread more of a spread than a wide zone? Is that, are For you sure. more comfortable with that? You think a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I am. I think just as football is today, especially college football and especially the big 12 and especially the skill players that Baylor has and the speed, I think the spread offense and the up tempo and just how it's played is going to benefit kind of the personnel a lot better. Um, and just how football is played. Um, and I think there's a lot more freedom and a lot more of just like, go play football. Like just go and just go and run and go and, and find space. And instead of, you know, like the pro style offense, or it's kind of more of an NFL offense is very like, you've got to be super, like everything's super calculated and there's nothing wrong with that. Cause when it works, it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. But I think that just comes with like knowing the players you have, and, and, and knowing what you want to do. Cause at the end of the day, like players got to be bought into what the scheme is. If you're not bought in and you don't believe in it, then you're not going to be able to run it effectively. So from what it sounds like um, is the players are super bought in um, and super excited about what coach Spab has to bring. So as a quarterback, I think it's the most fun offensive plan. And I think it gives you the most opportunity to, to show off your skills and to win games. So I'm excited. Nice. And I got to ask, cause I know you've looked at, I, I'm sure you've noticed this, but when you arrive in January, as of right now, this very moment, you would be just the second scholarship quarterback on the roster. Now, I think that's going to change probably, but um, how exciting is it for you just to be, you know, I'm going to get on, you're going to get on campus early. You're going to get to learn. You're going to get to compete. You're going to get to grow as a person and a player um, with Sawyer Robertson, with RJ Martinez, and which, with mm. whoever else um, maybe they bring in. Um, mm. What's that going to be like for you? How excited are you for that? Yeah, I'm super excited. And just even from being at, around Baylor and on those visits, I've gotten to know those guys, um, especially Sawyer. Um, he was like with me during my official visit, so I just tried to ask him questions. Um, and he was kind of newer at that point too, uh, right being his first year at Baylor. Um, but I'm just excited to like learn from those guys and just to be in a room with them um, and just kind of like, I think it's an interesting situation with a new OC coming in. Cause when I get there, we're all going to be starting from scratch. You know what I mean? Learning a new offense and, and getting with our receivers and just doing the extra stuff. So, I mean, my goal, and, and I get this question all the time of like, like, are you nervous? Are you like, what do you, what do you feel about going early? And it's kind of like, I just want to go in with no expectation and just like, whatever they want me to do, I'm going to do it. And whatever I can do to help the team, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to work as hard as I can and then everything's going to work itself out. So um, I'm excited to get around those guys and I'm excited to just like get, get a, I don't want to say like a leg up, but going early really does help in the sense of I can get extra time in the spring to just learn the offense, um, continue to get bigger, stronger, faster, uh, mentally tougher, 
Um, so I think it's really beneficial. Um, and I'm just excited to experience everything that Baylor football has to offer and just start playing football. I miss it already. So it's going to be fun. Awesome, man. So quickly, last question for Baylor fans um, who maybe don't know you, what would you say, you know, you're bringing to the table and what would you say to Baylor nation just about, you know, you signing and becoming a Baylor bear? Yeah. I mean, I think that what Baylor brings to you guys and what Baylor university is, what Baylor football is, no matter the struggles that have been recently, like we all know what Baylor is like, it's a special place that people are blessed and fortunate to go to. And so I think I'm going to bring what Baylor has always been. I just want to be a guy who can come in there and um, be an amazing person, um, be a guy who can come in early and, and contribute. Um, and I'm just going to, I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to do whatever I can to um, help Baylor win games, whatever that looks like. Um, if that means playing early, great. If that means being a great teammate, that's awesome. But I just want to be a guy who um, gives everything he has because I love Baylor, not because I want to put up big numbers or not because I want to do all the other things that people usually want to do. Not saying those things are bad, um, but when you do the right thing and when you come in and work hard and when you um, be a be a good human being, um, I think that those things will come. And that stuff just kind of follows, you know, what you do when no one's watching and all the little things. So I'm just going to, it's going to work hard and the leadership title will come and, and, and the playing time will come if you just work hard. So I hope you guys are excited. I'm, I'm really pumped. Um, you know, it's today signing day. So, I mean, what, what is there to be, not to be excited about? So. so there you go. There is Nate Bennett uh, in a conversation with Grayson uh, just, uh, I guess, yesterday. Uh, you recorded that ahead of signing day, and that is Baylor's 2024 quarterback signee, a part of a class that's just a little over a dozen guys at this point and most expected, as we ran down earlier in the show, to sign on National Signing Day. Um, but uh, good to hear from Nate Bennett there and get his thoughts. And, and granted, as we mentioned at the top of the show, and I'll continue to remind folks just in case they jump in here, we are not live like as these signings roll in because of just the timing of things. Uh, so if there's a switcheroo or something like that with Alex Foster signing, uh, you know, not expectedly, then then things like that can happen. But uh, also as a result of that. Uh, he obviously talked about Sean Bell quite a bit and the impact of Sean Bell, and we touched on that a little bit earlier. It's not going to have an effect on Nate Bennett. Um, you know, whether it has an effect down the line with an Adam Schobel, that could be a different story. But uh, as far as right now, and that's what matters is right now because we've got plenty of time to worry about, you know, a whole other recruiting class later, uh, that is not going to have an effect on Nate Bennett. And he already has uh, made some inroads with Jake Spavital, obviously. So, now let's uh, start to take a look at the class, but let's also take a look at a couple more storylines of which we touched on most of them in the first segment. I did want to provide a little bit of a transfer portal update on outgoing players. Uh, Drake Dabney committed to TCU over the weekend. Baylor tight end had about 500 yards and uh, what eight touchdowns. I forget what his total was. It was somewhere a little over five touchdowns. Maybe it was five touchdowns. But anyways, it was close to what Jared Wiley's numbers were last year at TCU, and that's a big part of who he'll be replacing as Jared Wiley goes off 
to go to the NFL. Uh, but, you know, don't want to spend too much time on guys that are no longer here at Grayson. But, man, could he have picked literally any other school besides TCU? 552 uh, yardage-wise for Dabney, five touchdowns. So I, I tried to give him a couple extra scores. <laughs> he probably should have had a couple of extra scores. That is what anti, um, I guess, or not anti, but some of the folks are softening the blow of him. Leave. Oh, well, he dropped passes or he didn't mm-hmm. block that well or whatever. But 552 yards and five touchdowns is significant, uh, especially from the tight end spot. So they'll see him next year, and he'll be in purple and uh, it just goes to show you that these players don't view rivalries, I think, the way that a lot of fans out there view rivalries. So that was a good get for for the Frogs, and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, best of luck, I guess, to Drake Tabney. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the most productive tight end seasons Baylor's ever had. I mean, so it, it's he had a very good year. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's – I don't know. I think it's one of the uh, the downfalls going on in college football right now that it doesn't matter where you transfer or anything like that. But if he would have gone to the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or, well, so what's left of the Pac-12, ACC, SEC, like no one would really care that much. But him going to TCU is just, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, they staying in the Big 12, but hey, you know, he made his decision. We'll see what happens, see if he has a successful year. I will say he got a front row seat to watching Jared Wiley go absolutely bananas against Baylor uh, this year. So I'm sure that was probably intriguing. I'm sure it was, yeah. And what they were able to do there, a lot of people, well, that offense doesn't highlight the tight ends. Yeah, but you're thinking about the offense from like a decade ago. And things have changed since then, and Jared Wiley is proof of that. So we'll see with Drake Dabney. Um, But, yeah, I just hate to see him end up there, and that's where he finished his career. So if he's on Monday Night Football, it's going to be Drake Dabney, TCU, after four years. Hopefully not. Hopefully well, that's kind of how it works. He graduated. Yeah, but so. that's that's just kind of what's weird about the portal, though, is it's where you finish. It's not necessarily where you were for the majority of your career. Or if you're Xavier Newman, it's DeSoto, which yeah, was all depends. laughable as well. Yeah, it all depends on what guys figure to do. But, uh, yeah, um, so there you go. Dabney to TCU. And meanwhile, Timothy Dawn, offensive lineman, uh, has entered the transfer portal on this uh on this uh, morning that we record here, uh, the day before National Signing Day. So uh, that was expected, unexpected. Uh, How do you see Timothy Dawn? That's another scholarship that now opens up. Yeah, I think that's decent. I I think it's fine attrition. I mean, he got passed up by Colton Price this year, so it wasn't like he was in contention to be a starter this season. But he was a nice depth piece and a guy who actually played really well to start his career at Baylor, uh, turned some heads a little bit when he got on campus, but it just never really fully worked out for him. He was hurt quite a bit as well. And so, yeah, I mean, you had to lose some pieces. And offense linemen who couldn't get on the field at all last year and aren't true freshmen – it's hard to really say that that's a bad loss, if that makes sense. Right. So just wanted to update you there that uh, there's some, I guess, finality there. So that would leave what Alfonso Allen and a couple of others maybe that haven't committed. I don't know how close they're going to pay attention. Yeah, Elijah Ellis. I don't know how much that matters. But, I mean, Dabney and Shapin, obviously, very strange, small world. They end up with former Baylor assistant coaches and uh, members of the Prowse family of all places that those are the two spots they end up. But it's a small world in college football. So now let's take a look at the 2024 class and where we are now with that. And uh, let's start off on the offensive side of the ball, and then we'll get into our second interview of three for you on this uh, signing day 
special episode. And just to be clear, I should have asked you this before. Uh, Mason Dossett, defensive or offensive uh, commit here? Safety. Okay, yes, safety. So we'll hold off on him. So let's get into – I just wanted to, to clarify because he is listed as an athlete on the website. Uh, but let's get into the offense and – What's coming down the pipeline there? We already mentioned Daquan Finn from the transfer portal, but in terms of the actual high school and JUCO players coming in, a couple of guys on the offensive line in Tristan Santoro out of Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, and Evangel Christian High School, same high school as Blake Shapin, um, as, as a matter of fact, uh, had some offers from the local Louisiana schools there, Sands LSU, Memphis also a part of the uh, pack that uh, were after the 6'6", 275-pounder. Um, Colton Soraki also from the Woodlands High School, 6'4", 300, and uh, had a bunch of big-time offers, Arkansas, uh, Nebraska, TCU, uh, Purdue, Kansas, Texas Tech, all in the mix on uh, Caden, or excuse me, Colton Soraki. And I say Caden as I slipped there. We were just talking about how the Jenkins brothers are back together. Well, the Soraki brothers are about to be uh, reunited as well as he will join older brother Caden Soraki on the Baylor, Baylor roster. So just two offensive linemen, which might be kind of surprising given that there seems like there's a major need there. You've got a new coach on the offensive line. It'll be interesting to see how they approach that now with some fresh eyes at that position group. Uh, but your thoughts on Tristan Santoro and also Colton Soraki. And uh, in the case of uh, Colton Soraki, he is going to be an early enrollee, and uh, Tristan Santoro will be, a, I guess, May uh, arrival. So uh, however you want to proceed here, but let's take a look at these two offensive linemen. Yeah, so Soraki, obviously, brother of Caden, uh, he's going to play center, or at least that's the expectations that he'll start off at center for Baylor, and he's completely locked into Baylor, even with the change uh, on the offense line, which obviously was a pretty big change, as these recruits do really like Eric Mateos. Uh, he's out now. He's going to Arkansas, and now Chris Kapilovic is in. Um, but yeah, Soraki's a good player. I mean, he's got offers from TCU, Texas Tech, Purdue, Arkansas, Kansas. I mean, he's got a great offer list. I think he fits really well with what Baylor's trying to build up front. He's kind of the center of the future, um, and I really, really like that he's an early enrollee. I think that'll give him a, a nice leg up on the competition and a nice opportunity to really show um, what he can be. And obviously, when the new offense line coach is in and he hasn't been recruiting you, you know, heavily throughout the process. It's going to be good for him to get eyes on Colton as well early uh, in his time and career at Baylor. Uh, very underrated prospect. I mean, guys who have an offer list like that usually have much higher ratings than he does. Um, but again, this is one of those things. The Baylor prospects are, aren't getting many favors when it comes to national recruiting rankings, which I know we're going to talk about a lot. They're currently ranked in the 60s. Um, I think that's a joke, um, personally. When you have a guy like this that has a rating, that has an offer sheet like this and a rating of eighty-four point three nationally, that's just that's that's beyond ridiculous. So I think Colton's a very good prospect. As far as Santoro goes, he's a very interesting one because he actually had the Baylor offer for a while. And then he came to camp, and his camp performance, his measurables, uh, his height, his weight, his arm length, all of that checked out really well, his athleticism. Um, he was really pushed by Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos at that camp. They saw everything they needed to in him, and, and now you know you get a guy like that who you're just going to kind of mold over the next few years. I don't expect him to come in and play a lot immediately, but over the years, I do think he could turn into something 
pretty good. I think he's one of those high floor, low ceiling guys, um, or high ceiling, low floor guys. Um, and I really, you know, I was impressed by him at camp and I think there's room for him to get even better. And so I'm curious how, uh, Chris Kapilovic can develop him. That's kind of going to be the biggest thing with Santoro. So with two offensive linemen here, we haven't talked at all about the second signing day or even really projected out that far. Are you expecting them with what looks like it will be Okay, they've got 15 total commits counting the JUCOs. And you've got now two guys through the transfer portal. Now, that could so that's 17, but we don't know really what the long game is going to be with Graydon Grimes um, because of the move with, uh, obviously, Jeff Grimes and whether or not that means he still sticks with Baylor or not, that remains to be seen. And uh, as we pointed out earlier, there's also the question about Alex Foster. Besides that, you're expecting all these guys to sign or be locked in, but... They're going to go heavy transfer portal. What are they going to do for the second signing day? Is there, outside of Alex Foster, are they going to pursue more high school guys or JUCO guys, or is the plan to basically go and reload through the transfer portal after Wednesday's over with? I think they're going to look at 2024 guys. I would be surprised if they took much more than, like, one or two late flyers. I, I was think thinking that, about the yeah. offensive line, only having oh. two guys, and, like, how are they going to approach Is they going to be all transfer portal guys so, to try and reload there? Or? So I think the important part on the offensive line is when you go look at the class breakdown, you see how many redshirt, you know, redshirt sophomores now, true freshmen and redshirt freshmen, that's basically the bulk of their depth chart. So really when it comes to the transfer portal um, – that's going to be the focus because bringing in another freshman on the offensive line, he better be special because you have so many young guys already. Now it's about really making sure that next year's offensive line is really, really good. So I think a veteran focus, maybe finding guys with high upside uh, would be a nice start. But I do think they're going to need at least two guys who have proven that they can be starters at a pretty high level, um, maybe even three. Uh, that's where I think they're at, though. They, they definitely need to focus more on veteran transfers as opposed to high school freshman so there are a couple of the offensive linemen they will be blocking of course for nate bennett for or of whom you've already heard from uh in the interview with grayson there anything you want to tack on to nate bennett i mean he's the quarterback of this class there's no hurry to play him you've got daquan finn now as we touched on earlier you've got sawyer robertson um you've got uh rj martinez as well so it figures he should be able to come in red shirt Maybe see the field at some point, just depending on circumstances. Like as you know, a blowout would would be like your your best wish. But even then, that's probably a long shot. Um, so he's just going to sit back and wait his turn. But anything you want to add on as far as the significance of him signing? Um, when we look at these offensive uh, players in this class, I mean, it's huge that he's early enrolling. This is a guy that definitely, you know, he's going to need to be on campus and he's going to, as he mentioned, get in the weight room, get stronger, um, and just really, you know, become more accustomed to the offense that they're going to run at Baylor. Him early enrolling, I think, will be really, really good for him. Um, also, getting to learn, you know, behind two older guys. I mean, Daquan Finn and Sora Robertson have been around the block. They're older, they're basically veterans at this point, for sure. Daquan, and I even would say that about Sawyer as well and even RJ Martinez has played a lot of football so he's going to get a chance to learn from some really good players and uh, just get an opportunity to grow uh, this next year probably two years maybe even longer than that as he kind of waits his turn a little bit behind you know the guys they have on the depth chart but I like what they got in Nate 
I know a lot of people are going to point to that he was a late offer and his offer list isn't huge and, and all these different things. But I think if you watch his film his senior year, you can obviously see what the staff liked about him. Very accurate. His touchdown interception ratio was very high. He even mentioned like, Guys, just perspective-wise, I think there were probably seven games that he played in this year where he didn't play in the second half. So the numbers could have been even more ridiculous if he was running up the score on people. But the fact of the matter is, he has a top 100 player in the country at running back that they were giving the ball to a ton. They ran the ball a ton. And so it just required him to be more of a game manager. But if you look at the numbers and look at what he did, he was more than that. 19 touchdowns in eight games, only three interceptions. He was very, very solid and got them up and down the field. And like he also mentioned, they lost to Mission Viejo, who won the state championship. So they had a very successful year. And I think his senior season should provide at least some optimism about what he could be in the future. All right, let's continue rolling through here on the offensive side of the football. A single running back commit in Joseph Dodds uh, from Tidehaven High School had a nice offer list. Cal, uh, Missouri, uh, Houston amongst some of his suitors, uh, and there were others. Texas Tech, another uh, offer and battle there with them, UTSA, so on and so forth. You might have just seen him. Uh, by the way, for all the talk about the college football playoff, and we can't expand because there will be blowouts, Texas high school playoffs, the state championships, man, there was not a lot of fun to write home about with most of those games. Yeah. Um, but we did see in uh, one of those games, Baylor's running back commit and signee to be in Joseph Dodds as Tidehaven suffered their first loss of the year, uh, losing to Gunter in the state Finals 30-14. to 14. Uh, He did have a couple touchdowns in this game. He had a first quarter 11-yard catch uh, to make it a 7-0 game and then had a 61-yard rushing touchdown in the second quarter uh, that pulled them into a 17-14 uh, you know, deficit. Uh, but, you know, nice showing for him. There were some comments about that. That was all basically my experience with that game and most of the state title games, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but it was good to see that little bit of a, you know, PR moment for this Baylor class to see him on that stage. So your thoughts on Joseph Dodds and how he fits uh, in this 2024 puzzle as the lone running back signee. Yeah, I'm getting really close to moving him to a four-star. He's right on the fringe for me right now. He's at at an 89, um, but this year was special. I mean, he carried this Tidehaven team, and I know they were good in other regards as well, but even in the state championship, he had both of their touchdowns and was really the only bright spot in that game as they were playing against a Gunter team that was just Overmatched. I mean, they were overmatched against them. Let's just be honest about it. But 263 yards, 2,063 or 263 carries, 2,063 yards, 33 touchdowns, another four touchdowns through the air, a 98-yard kickoff return. That was his season this year. He was phenomenal. I, I think he is a very special player, a good fit for what Baylor's trying to do, even moving towards more of a spread downhill running offense. Um, he was so impressive to me this season. And if you don't know a ton about high school you know, football, beating Dangerfield is a big deal, which he was able to do and really carried them. And then I think they beat Poth the round before as well. Um, I mean, he just really, he carried them. I, it was such a special season. And I know he was a guy that got a lot of Baylor fans excited. Very, very good player. You mentioned the offer list. I think he fits really well. And like I said, he's right there for me as being a borderline four-star guy. And I don't know how national rankings, again, how do they not see the season he just put up and not 
change something about where he's currently ranked because he is he had a special, special season. And meanwhile, wrapping up what is a very small class on offense, you've got two offensive linemen in Santoro and Soraki. You've got your quarterback in Bennett, your running back in Dodds, and there's no need for a tight end, I mean, after the way they've recruited that position. Uh, wide receiver, they've got a lot of young guys there, but there's a one single wide receiver commit, so you can kind of delve into that and whether they attack the portal or if it's just a matter of everybody maturing. But, I mean, you talk about a guy that maybe should have been the, the highlight of the whole class because of how long he's been committed. Jaden Porter of nearby Lorena has been committed since April of 2022, uh, committing back in late April, uh, well over a year ago. And now finally, after all this time, making it official with the Baylor Bears, uh, Oklahoma State and TCU, a couple of other teams that have offered and been involved with him over that time, 6'1", 180. Um, and, you know, as uh, as a guy who's won a state championship uh, with Lorena with last year. Two years uh, ago. Two, two, yeah, yeah, two years ago. And uh, will be an early enrollee. So the one and only wide receiver commit, Mr. Jaden Porter, uh, excited to see him finally make it official. Yeah, and he fits this new offense really well. He's going to be a dynamic slot guy for this offense. And he really had a tough year. It was hard to watch because he was injured early in the season. So he only played in like seven and a half games. But man, when he played, he was very good. 27 catches, 455 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, he also played on the defensive side as well. Um, had 19 tackles, two for loss, two interceptions, a pick six being one of those. Um, just dynamic. He also got carries out of uh, the black backfield, in the slot, sweeps, things like that, and really made an impact this year. Helped get Lorena to the fourth round of the playoffs. And I mean, just... He's been a great player for Lorena for a while, won that state championship and had a massive year there. He's been committed to Baylor for a really long time and probably the one that I think Baylor fans know the most. So very, very good prospect. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I mean, that's that's a, uh, a player who's just been committed for so long now. You just never know when those guys are, um, you know, pledging that early. It's fun at the moment, but you're like, all right, we'll see in two years when you actually sign. And here he is, and he's actually going to sign. And so I think that that's... Uh, quite awesome that um, that he's all ready to go. Uh, so uh, that's very cool to see. And since that's such a small side of the football, let's actually touch on uh, the special teams commitment that's also part of this. Just so because we got more, way more defensive players to talk about in this class. Uh, but kicker Connor Hawkins uh, also a part of this, a pretty small class for Baylor. Uh, and you mentioned the, where the rankings are because of that. I uh, had the uh, service academies that offered him, um, but out of the Austin area, Liberty Hill High School. Uh, what do you think about uh, bringing a kicker in here in this class? Yeah, another player who made a deep run in the playoffs. They made it to the semifinals of, of the playoffs. Lost to Portnet, just grow 42-35. They were right on the verge of making a state championship. But 68 for 69 on extra points, 7-9 on field goals, made a 45-yarder this year. Also had a bunch of touchbacks on kickoff. So he's going to come in be the kicker probably he's gonna have to fight for that with Isaiah Hankins but I do think there's a, a possibility for him in that regard and now two years in a row they got Palmer Williams as a punter last year he came in and started and now Connor Hawkins as they try to address both punter and kicker uh, through high school recruiting so we'll see I I'm expecting him to come in at least either do touchbacks or field goals next year maybe even both if he truly is that special right when he arrives so a little special teams action in this 2024 class as well. So there you go. It's not heavy on the offensive side. Running back, wide receiver, quarterback, 2-0 lineman, special teams. You've got yourself a kicker in Connor Hawkins. 
And then the rest of the class is defense. And uh, our two remaining interviews are also uh, defensive-related as well. And it was clear that linebacker was a spot, an area of focus uh, for this uh, particular class. And so let's go ahead and kick off the defensive side of this 2024 class preview with our second interview of the day. And then we will get into the actual uh, players themselves, the full defensive side of this class, uh, to help round out the second half of this uh, signing day special. But Brock Jackson out of Lumberton, uh, he is uh, uh, one of three linebacker commits in this 2024 class, Grayson, 6'4", 240, Arkansas, Colorado, Missouri, Texas Tech. We can talk about him and get a little further, but let's go ahead and dive in and start getting to the defensive side of things here as Grayson was able to talk to Lumberton linebacker and now making it official with the Baylor Bears, Brock Jackson. I'm here with Lumberton defensive lineman, outside linebacker Brock Jackson and Baylor signee. Brock Jackson. Uh, Brock, congratulations, man. You know, it's signing day today. How excited are you to officially become a Baylor Bear? Uh, pretty excited. Uh, I've been a fan of Baylor since I was about 11 years old because my grandma took me to Waco to um, go visit all the facilities and stuff. So since then, it's it's been destined. So. Yeah, you know, I was kind of going to ask you this a little bit down the road, but I might as well right now. You know, you got other offers from power five schools, some pretty good schools, but it never really felt like you were going to go anywhere except for Baylor. Did you kind of know that as well? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I visited a couple other schools besides Baylor, but I think I took like five or six visits to Baylor and just one to all the other schools. So what was it kind of about Baylor? Just that those initial vibes that you got that were just different from anywhere else. Like they're, um, how they go by a uh, person over player. It's like the coaches like to create relationships right off the bat. And it's, it was, it was a different type of vibe. My first, first time going there too. Yeah. So you were offered back in May of 2022 and then you committed February 9th of 2023. I think you visited a few times in there um, and then took your official visit June 16th. But what do you remember about that time between your offer and then eventually committing, just you know, finally getting all the the recruiting recognition and all all those type of things. Um, I mean, it was I always had in the back of my mind that I've always liked Baylor the most, like in the all the, all the other schools. There's a couple of the schools that I was like, okay, like this, these are definitely like in my top schools, but Baylor was always just the number one for me. So it just stuck in the back of my mind the whole time. Yeah, and then you took your official visit June 16th, and you had already been committed for a little while during that time. Um, mm-hmm. What was your official visit like, and how much did that just completely solidify things for you? Uh, it was definitely the most love I've ever got when I went to Baylor. So, yeah, I literally walked in, and it was just every coach greeting me and telling me what's up. So it was, it was very surreal for me. Yeah, what were some of the things you got to do kind of on that specific visit that, you know, maybe you got to see about Baylor that was a little bit different? Uh, I mean, I got to hang out with all the players um, a couple nights, and I had a, a Kyler Jordan, another outside linebacker. He just kind of uh, took me around on the weekend, so I had a good time doing that. And then um, they took us on some boat rides and stuff down the river, 
looking at the new basketball stadium being built in McLean Stadium. So that was also nice. Yeah, and I mean, your lead recruiter through pretty much all of this was Caleb Collins. Um, mm-hmm. How has your relationship grown with him, and, and what do you think about him just as a person and, a, and a, your future coach? Yeah, he was uh he was one of the main factors of why I committed to Baylor because of he get he got real personal with me off the bat and just was asking like just texting me how you doing man just trying to check up on me all the time and like you could tell he's a like a real person he's not bluffing whenever he says something was, that that really stuck to me too. Yeah, and I mean getting to spend time with Kyler Jordan did y'all talk about mm-hmm. Caleb Collins coaching style and I just talked about uh, Aranda uh collins palage like all those what what were some of the things that he told you did anything stand out from those talks he was he, he had a lot of high talks about palage and like it was just, he everybody at baylor loves palage and that was also his first year calling the defense so it's like it's something he's got to get like used to and accustomed to so that was i like i like palage so yeah so palage recruited me back at oregon when oregon was recruiting me and when he got hired at the DC, I actually uh I committed the next day because that's that really solidified the deal for me to go to Baylor was when Palage got hired there. Wow did did you know did you talk to Palage a lot you know during that? Oh yeah, time? he was he was the one that was recruiting me at Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we talked a good bit, and then he got hired at Baylor, and that just like sealed the deal for me. Awesome man. So I know we'll get into a few things about Baylor, but I did want to mention you know. I mean, how proud are how proud are you of kind of this high school career that you just put together? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the last three years have just been ridiculous. You won another district defensive MVP this year. You have all these sacks, all these tackles for loss. Um, what's that been like for you? Uh, I mean, in a humble like in a humble way, it's, uh, it's it's I'm very proud of myself for sure, and couldn't have done it without my teammates and coaches uh, putting me in the position to do it. So. That's about all I have to say about it. Yeah, I mean, where did you think you felt like, you know, you improved the most this year? Because, I mean, you've, you've had multiple good years, but this year it felt like it all even maybe came together even further. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually utilizing more pass rush moves, like more. So I feel like that's one of the ways I've improved for sure. Okay. So, I mean, sitting back, y'all had a good year, but you know, you turn on the TV on Saturdays and you watch Baylor, you go to the games and Baylor had a a struggle of a season. Mm -hmm. Um, What'd you think about that? What were kind of some of your thoughts just watching, you know, Baylor go through kind of a a little bit of a struggle? I mean, it was, there was just like a lot of like, I mean, we had a first year DC. He's a phenomenal coach. Just a first year DC. I mean, that's like, something that's like something kind of sort of expected but i mean he's a phenomenal coach love coach palage um i mean it's just uh it, it was it just wasn't a good year i don't I, I don't just watching it it was just kind of disappointing but i'm excited to be a part of the change that's all i gotta say yeah no for sure and i, I mean then you know you head into the to this time period right now and i know dave Miranda came by and saw you and you got to talk to him um mm-hmm. You know, what was he saying? What was his kind of message to you? Uh, he was pretty much just like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're here to be a part of the change because things things are about to change with uh, culture, just everything in general. And they're ready 
they're ready to change it too. So am I. The other recruits in my class are ready for it. It's should be very, very good. Yeah, and I know Aranda's going to take more of a hands-on approach defensively. Did he talk to you a little bit about that? Yeah, he's uh, he's going to coach, like help uh, coach inside linebackers and call the defensive plays. So I'm excited to learn from the very best. He's mm-hmm. one of the brightest defensive minds in the country. So. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, he's had a long track record of being very successful as a coordinator. Um, do you think that he's going to add kind of a, a cool twist to kind of what they're trying to build on the defensive side? Oh, for sure. He uh, he definitely puts uh, Jack, the outside linebackers, in position to make plays a lot. So I'm, I'm ready to see that. He's probably going to put some pretty interesting stuff in with the line. So that should be good. Yeah, you know, watching Baylor this year, did you get to see kind of Garmin Randolph, Byron Vaughn's kind of some of, you know, how they were utilized? Did you feel pretty good about that? They were utilized in multiple ways. Run, pass rush, dropping a little bit. I mean, it's it's a little bit of everything. So it's pretty exciting to see. Yeah, do you feel like that's how you play? Kind of just like those guys? I like pass rushing is probably my favorite, but I like dropping every now and then stopping the run that's that's all fun stuff so man every time i see you i feel like you've grown or gotten bigger or any like every time it's the weirdest thing i don't know if most of the recruits that i've seen it just seems like you keep growing every single time i see you um what are you at right now height and weight wise uh six four about 240 sitting at 240 okay and what what do you think's your ideal playing weight at baylor is that about where you want to be uh, I mean, it's just whatever they want me at. I mean, I don't, it does, it's up to them. I, that's not my call. They're the ones paying for my scholarship, so it's up to them. Right, right. And has Coach Collins kind of told you kind of what to expect? As I know you're about to enroll early as mm-hmm. well. Um, what have those conversations been like just getting ready? Oh, just going to get in the system pretty early and go and compete for some playing time in the spring. So, I'll yeah, that's that's what he told me pretty much. Okay, and I mean that's what exactly a month away, I think, or right right around uh, that. January thirteenth, I think, is when I like to move in day. Okay, and what's this next month going to be like for you? Just preparing for that? Do you got anything planned? Are you are you traveling? Are you working out? What what's kind of going on? Uh, there? One of the Bahamas with my family one last time, just to go do something. And but I've just been working out pretty much every day, trying to eat better, just that type of stuff. Typical prep stuff yeah and as far as your parents and, and family you know how i mean have they told you how excited and proud they are of you for yeah. signing yeah like my mom's kind of it's bittersweet for her for sure because her baby's moving to waco but yeah they, they, they've always told me how proud they are of me that's awesome man so if you could describe kind of just who you are and what baylor is getting from brock jackson what would you say that is just a relentless motor and a team player that's willing to do anything for his brothers on the field. So awesome, man. Well, so there you go. There is a Lumberton defender, Brock Jackson, a member of this Baylor 2024 class. And thanks to him for his time with Grayson and being a part of our selection of interviews today. So uh, there you go. A little bit of a taste of the defensive side. And we talked about, 
the offense. Let's get into this 2024 class and what they are bringing to the table on the defensive side. And let's start with Brock Jackson here. I mean, you mentioned defensive lineman, outside linebacker. Uh, where does he kind of fit? Is they still, you know, a matter of are they still trying to figure that out once he gets on campus? Um, let's let's start with him as we look defense here. Yeah, so he's going to be starting off at Jack, um, outside linebacker for this Baylor team. Caleb Collins was his lead recruiter. He obviously he had a nice offer list, but his thing, I mean, just the production is insane. What he's done at Lumberton, uh, two years in a row, he's been the district defensive MVP, but it's really been three years of just consistent production. Uh, in three years, so since his sophomore year, he's got 180 tackles, 52 tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks and 37 quarterback hurries. Oh, and nine forced fumbles. I mean, this guy has just been a, a just wrecking ball for that defense at Lumberton, uh, capped it off with a really good senior year. And so Baylor's getting a really highly productive guy who just is good at football, right? Just a guy who has consistently produced, um, these type of guys typically do pretty well at Baylor. The guys who are highly productive in high school, and then they get developed at Baylor and that ability to make plays usually translates to the college level. So Brock's a very nice kid. Elsewhere at linebacker, we'll get to Kylan Reed, uh, who we'll save for last yeah. since uh, he is our last interview of the day. Um, but one of Baylor's uh, better players, I mean, I would say, along with Alex Foster, probably the... It's him. So for me, it's Alex Foster, Kylan Reed, Jaden Porter, the top three, and Joseph Dodds is kind of... He's, okay. he's getting his way up there. There's a couple others that are in the fight, in the running. But so yeah. we'll talk Kylan Reed here in just a second. But uh, elsewhere at linebacker, Keaton Thomas. He joined the class just last week. A uh, young man out of Mississippi, Boonville, Mississippi, and uh, played at Northeast Mississippi Community College. Had uh, a lot of Arkansas crossover uh, in this class. Another Razorbacks offer, Cal, UConn, uh, Memphis, uh, Texas State, West Virginia, NC State, a number of other schools as well. Pretty lengthy offer list. Um, where does Keaton Thomas fit in uh, as an early enrollee as well, mind you, for this 24 class? And linebacker in general, whether it be your jack, uh, your pure outside guy, your your middle linebacker, however you want to break it down. I mean, a major area of emphasis, you would think, for this defense moving forward and, and the year that they just came off of. Right. So he's got three years to play uh, after being at Northeast Mississippi um, for a little bit there. And so he's going to come to Baylor. I, I believe he's going to start off at Will. Um, he could be a Mike eventually, but I think Will's going to be a nice fit for him. He had 107 tackles this year, 11 for loss, two interceptions. Um, highly productive. A guy that got on campus, got committed really quickly, uh, really in in a week's time period. I mean, he was a guy that they made a priority. And I know he raised some eyebrows this weekend when he visited Mississippi State. Um, I still feel like he's going to, I, I feel pretty confident that he's going to end up being a Baylor Bear regardless. I know the visit, well, anytime you take an official visit, people are going to talk about it and have speculation and, and doubts. But I think Keaton is pretty locked in, especially based on the interview he gave with you guys, the conversations I've had with him, and just the vibe. I think he's going to continue to be a Baylor Bear, sign, and then enroll in January. A very nice get at a position of need, by the way, because they were not very good at linebacker this past year. No, they were not. And uh, that went just kind of across the board, really, the 
the whole defense outside of cornerback uh, could really use an upgrade. And uh, they have uh, one cornerback, but we'll save him again. Moving on along here uh, at linebacker, um, Kylan Reed will save for very last, like I mentioned, to, to roll into his interview. But Mason Dossett, uh, listed as an athlete over on Sikkim365.com, but a young man out of Missouri City, Texas, and Ridge Point High School. Uh, some of the Big 12 newcomers, whether it was this year, like Houston, or next year, like Arizona, were involved in his recruitment. Tulane, uh, also part of that, among some other schools as well. Six one one seventy five. Where is Mason Dossett playing on this defense? You think moving forward? Yeah, and he's just an absolute burner. Um, so fast, he's going to run track at Baylor too. He's going to run track this season before he enrolls at Baylor as well. Um, has played some running back, some wide receiver, and then this year flipped over to safety almost full-time. He still had to play some receiver there at Ridge Point, but very good player. And also the cool thing about him that I know a lot of people know is his dad played at Baylor. And so you get that Baylor legacy connection as well, which hasn't been really commonplace for Baylor at all. Um, and people don't remember this, but Baylor actually flipped him from Purdue. He was committed to Purdue for a little bit, flipped back to Baylor, um, or flipped to Baylor, and has been committed ever since. But again, I think he's a perfect fit for the free safety position um, for Baylor, a, a position they've been trying to address since JT Woods left, and they haven't had that same kind of speed back there. And I think Dawson definitely fits that mold. He had a pretty good offer list as well, Arizona, Purdue, Texas Tech, Houston, uh, Duke. So a very good player, just kind of finding his footing, I think, defensively. I think he's only going to get better and continue to grow. Um, but his speed is so intriguing and so fun to watch. He had a very nice year there at Ridgepoint. And again, I think the best is yet to come for him on the defensive side. So while we're in the uh, back seven here, let's continue on in the secondary. Uh, Chris Wokema uh, from Arlington Bowie High School, listed as a safety, uh, offers from a variety of different schools. You see Houston again. You see Texas Tech again. You see UTSA again. Um, some familiar faces there, SMU, Wazoo, a lot of other schools involved here. Um, and he has been uh, committed now for, uh, well, let's see here, about six months now at this point. And he is another early enrollee, six foot 185, Chris Wokema. Uh, your thoughts on him and where he fits in that secondary? Yeah, very physical, very athletic, and just makes plays. And you put that all together and you have a pretty good safety prospect. And that's what Wokema is going to bring to the table. Again, solid offer, offer list. Duke, Houston, SMU, Texas. Tech uh, chose Baylor over Texas Tech where he took an official visit. Um, but yeah, he fits really well. I think he's going to probably play boundary safety for Baylor, at least to start. Um, but I, I really, again, this is a guy who's been committed for a long time, pretty locked in to Baylor ever you know, since he committed, ha hasn't really wavered from that. Um, and I think he dealt with some injuries this year, didn't get to play a ton. I think he only played in like seven games. Um, but when he was on the field, he was very productive. And again, a guy, the physicality is really what stands out from his film. He's not afraid to to go in, make a tackle, hit someone. And again, that's something that Baylor needs. They, they just they did not have the level of physicality they needed in that secondary this past season. And I know they're working towards that. I think Wokema fits that really well.
So you've got Wokema and Dawsett in the uh, safety spots, uh, but one cornerback, and obviously they retained all of their young corners uh, through NIL and the Green and Gold Exchange and the big set of announcements that have been taking place. And like anything else, that's going to be a year-to-year type of a thing, but they are set up very well, if anywhere, at cornerback. Um, so just one corner in this class, Kyler Beatty out of Comanche, Texas, and Comanche High School. Uh, not a lot known about him, um, and... I guess fill us in on what you know. Six foot one seventy, Kyler Beatty, the lone corner uh, pledge in this class. Yeah, and things turned so quickly, right? Because people were so just against really what Kevin Curtis had done at Baylor in those first, you know, that first year or two, and then this year you're like, wow, recruited at a very high level, developed at a very high level, got guys on the field really early, and had them be productive. It's like, man, he had he had an awesome coaching job last year, one of the best on the staff, if not the best. I mean, he was very very good. And then you go out, look at Kyler Beatty. And again, he kind of fits that mold, right? Very athletic. He plays both sides, really was phenomenal at wide receiver this year for Comanche. And then defensively was a lockdown corner. I think for him, it's a development thing. He's, it's going to take him a little bit of time, but he's shown the necessary skill set, I think, to be very, very good. And I think it's just another nice pickup to a loaded, loaded cornerback room that's very young as well. I mean, Kevin Curtis has done a great job, and that room is very, very healthy, one of the healthiest on the roster, especially with how young some of their guys are. So as we maneuver through here, you've got uh, three linebacker commits. We'll save Kylan Reed again and get to him in just a second. Uh, but three linebacker commits, you've got one corner commit, you've got two safety commits, and now moving our way around back to the front of the defensive um, players here. Uh, we touched on this earlier. There's three commits technically here. One of them's Alex Foster on the D-line, and we know that he's apparently going to wait till February, but who knows, maybe he'll surprise people and sign with Baylor on, on signing day number one, but not banking on it. You've got Graydon Grimes, who's a bit in limbo uh, from China Spring just because we, we don't know exactly, like, if he's planning on signing right now, is he going to look at maybe joining his dad at Kansas? Like, what is what is the plan here? That remains very much in limbo, as you pointed out, so we can't really say for sure here. So add in what you'd like to on Graydon Grimes, should he decide to sign. I mean, what would you like to, to put out there? Yeah, him? I think the encouraging part with Graydon is that he got better as the season progressed. I mean, his film got significantly better. He's got great size, has good athleticism as well. It just really is a matter of, you know, Jeff Grimes going to um, Kansas, what's going to happen there? Is he still locked in? Is, you know, just kind of all these different factors. And so that's kind of what we're waiting to see on with him. Um, but, you you know, great size, like I said, a good athlete. Uh, his offer list is solid from G5 schools when you look at UTSA, who's had a great track record at finding hidden gems. Um, yeah, so again, encouraging that Graydon got better throughout the year. And again, his size and athleticism, pretty intriguing. It's just up in the air about what really is going to happen um, with his signing. And then, of course, Alex Foster. We mentioned him at the beginning, but just waiting on, you know, a guy who, in my eyes, is the top prospect in this class. And I, I think he's a dominant force and a guy that Baylor really is prioritizing to get to sign this week. And again, there is still the, the door is open for that to happen. Um, but with his tweet, it seems like things are still trending towards signing in February. 
So that leaves us now with just one more player to look at on defense besides Kylan Reed, uh, because that's our last interview here. Um, but we're going to save the, save one of the best signees for last, although you hope all of these guys are going to outplay their ranking, and certainly there's room to do that for pretty much this entire class. Not a lot of highly rated guys, a lot of disrespect in some ways if you look at the boards, if you look lot. at just probably yeah. rivals and where they look at the rankings and where Baylor sits. So you'd think that this class would have a massive chip on its shoulder. Um, but a guy that you do uh, feel uh, good about having now in the fold is – Tonga Lolahea from Tyler Junior College. I went to TJC once upon a time. I'm a Tyler guy, so I know that that's a pretty good program right now. They've been producing some Division One talent, a better clip than when I was around there. Um, but this, their only defensive tackle uh, pledge, uh, which, you know, with corners, it's one thing because you know you've seen all those young corners. With the defensive line, it's a little bit more mysterious because they were kind of old last year, and it's like, so what is it? Just Cooper Lands and company stepping up? What's kind of give here? But this sort of helps answer that. Uh, Tonga Lolahea, defensive tackle out of TJC, BYU and Kansas State amongst his offers. So that's pretty salty right there. Uh, he just committed uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, on Monday, kick-started the week with uh, the pledge from Tonga Lolahea. So your thoughts on him as we start to uh, round out and also an early enrollee? Right, so a really, really tough year for Baylor at the nose tackle position as, you know, Jarrell Boykins got injured in the spring game. Trey Emery was injured all throughout camp and came back in the middle of the season. So you were just relying on Cooper Lands and true freshman Brendan Bett, like, for large chunks of the season. They need to address this position because they cannot have that same issue. They got to have depth there, and that's exactly what Tonga is going to bring to the table. He's 6'4", 322 pounds. This is one that I know the Baylor staff was really, really excited to get, especially because, you know, it was kind of in the middle of all this transfer portal excitement, and so when a JUCO commits, a lot of times fans aren't as intrigued by it, but this is a huge one. I mean, his size, his ability to... um, Really just being a movable object, which Baylor hasn't had since Apu Ika was here. Um, they need him to do that. They need that for this defense to clear out some room for the linebackers to go make plays. Uh, he's the number 24-ranked junior college prospect in the country. Um, he's got two years of eligibility remaining. And he did choose Baylor over Kansas State in a head-to-head battle, um, which, again, is huge for the Baylor staff to win a battle like that. He's going to come in and play immediately add depth to their nose tackle position and really just add stability to that room, which is something, again, they were lacking a year ago. So, man, imagine had he not pledged, they'd be rolling in with nobody uh, signing on the defensive line except for perhaps Grimes, except for perhaps Foster. But, again, as we pointed out, like that's not 100% concrete. So um, big to get him for a variety of reasons that you just outlined and uh, just simply adding to that, I mean, defensive line, you look at where people's focuses are, even the ones that have a lot of defensive linemen. Like, Texas doesn't really have a need, but they're still out there trying to get Alex Foster, baby. Like, yeah. you try to get as many D linemen and offensive linemen as you can. And so, uh, you know, they, they needed to get somebody, and uh, good to see they uh, were able to uh, get that pick up there this week. So that leads us to one final player we have not touched on, and we go back to linebackers here with Kylan Reed. A young man from Arlington, Texas, and Mansfield Summit High School. Uh, One of the more impressive offer lists of the entire class. I mean, you look at it, you've got Utah, which immediately you see that, and you're like, respect, uh, especially for a defensive player. Uh, Missouri, which... 
um, right now is a hot brand, and they are very deep in the NIL and trying to play off of last year's success. Oak State, uh, you've got KU, so uh, many others, but a lot of respectable schools on this list that, that know talent. And uh, Kylan Reed is certainly a talent. So before we hear from him and your one-on-one, uh, break it down for us of why he's uh, also – uh, a big-time jewel of this class, and another early enrollee. Yeah, early enrollee, which is huge, but very athletic, and a guy who I think we're still waiting on seeing exactly what he can be. Um, so he's going to talk about it in the interview, but he actually tore his ACL at Baylor camp before his junior season, and it caused him to sit out all year. And so then he comes back his senior year this year, and starts off like a man on fire. I mean, he had, I think he had three interceptions in their first four games, and then he got banged up a little bit. He kept fighting through it, helped lead them into the playoffs. He ends the season with 47 tackles, three interceptions, four for loss, two fumble recoveries. The guy was just a complete game changer, but he only got to play in eight games, seven and a half games this year. Um, but he's a guy who I think is only going to get better and better as he gets further away from that injury. And I think he's just going to be very special for Baylor again. Just just highly productive, very athletic, fits exactly what Baylor wants at the linebacker position. I think ultimately he'll be a Mike linebacker, and I think he's probably going to be, he's going to add some athleticism there that Baylor really hasn't had um, over the past few years. So really, really encouraged by him. Again, he's a, a top three player in the class for me. So there you go. There's Kylan Reed and uh, Grayson with some notes on him, but why don't you hear from him yourself? Uh, the third and final interview on this signing day special, Grayson had an opportunity to talk with the young man we were just speaking about, but you get to hear from him yourself now. Kylan Reed of Arlington, Texas, one of the newest members of the Baylor Bears and the 2024 signing class. This is Grayson Grunhafer, and I'm here with Baylor signee Kylan Reed. Um, Kylan, congratulations, man. Uh, it's signing day, so I know it's really exciting um, for you, I'm sure. Um, you know, a lot of hard work, a lot of time went into this, but what does it mean to you to kind of, kind of officially be here signing with the Baylor Bears? Uh, it's truly a blessing. I mean, a uh, long time coming, uh, putting in a lot of work for this moment, uh, a lot of preparation, a lot of support for my family. So it's just a great feeling to be able to finally uh, clear the smoke, settle down somewhere, and start my college career. That's awesome, man. And so let's go back a little bit, and we'll kind of start from the beginning and work our way, you know, kind of to this point. But, you know, I remember you had a really, really good sophomore season um, and kind of got on the radar for a lot of schools, I feel like. And I know you visited Baylor during that stretch as well, got the Baylor offer, um, what do you remember from kind of that time period where your recruitment officially kind of got going? Uh, I mean, it was a it was a very exciting time. Uh, I was it was kind of new to me. I'd never been around like like family members that got recruited or anything. But it was a it was a truly like exciting moment. Uh, Baylor, they they was on me hard from the start. They always showed like a great amount of love, like and they was always consistent. So it was. It was an exciting time to see that people seeing my efforts and what I was working towards. Right. And initially, I think I'm right on this. Alec Osborne was a big part of your recruitment, right? Initially. Yes, sir. Yeah. And then you kind of had that weird stretch where you had Ron Roberts and then Christian Robinson came in. Um, kind of take me through those relationships that you've been able to build um, during your time being recruited at Baylor. 
Um, I, I think with each one of the coaches, it was always like a great amount of love. Like it really wasn't a hard transition between the coaches because I mean they they it's like Baylor, it's like a Baylor love. Like who, whichever one came in, it was always the same uh, mentality, like the same relationship relationships over the person. It was always the same. So that I feel like that's that's a blessing with me uh, being able to you know switch coaches and still. Uh, have the same love as the last one. And I think that's that kind of starts with Coach Arena because how he builds the program around the relationship. So uh, I commend him for that. Yeah, and so I guess Christian Robinson sort of became your lead recruiter kind of through this process. Um, you know, what do you think about him? How has it been getting to know him? And specifically kind of what has he talked about for you, you know, coming into Baylor and what he wants to see from you? Um, it's been great getting to know uh, Coach Rob. Uh, he's uh, it like even hearing his story is great. Uh, how he played at Georgia, um, dealt with some adversity, but uh, he's here now, uh, better. So I kind of um, me and him can kind of relate on a lot of things. You know, I tore my ACL and I went through a lot of stuff, but uh, he just always gave me encouraging words and always told me like to keep going. And one of the things that he always say, like coming into Baylor is like just 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 buying in, like buying into the program, buying into like what Coach Aranda is saying, what he's saying, what uh Coach Pat is gonna say, just buying in and always remembering like relationships and having trust in the people that recruited me. So that's that's a big thing. Yeah, so I did want to ask you about that injury because you got injured what was it right before your junior season? Uh, yeah, it was actually the summer. So I went to my sophomore season and I was going to camps in the summer. Yeah. It, what did it happen at Baylor camp? Yes, sir. Yeah. So I remember being there for that camp and I obviously none of us knew what had exactly happened, but I remember that moment, you know, for you dealing with that injury, dealing with that adversity, how much do you think that helped kind of get you to this point where you had a, a really, really good senior season for the most part? Um, I think it prepared me a lot because before that, I never I never really re- really been hurt to where it put me out. It was always something I could, you know, battle through, like keep going with my brothers. But being hurt kind of taught me, like, finding different ways to contribute other than playing because, like, obviously I couldn't play, but I had to find a way to be be a part of the team. So I feel like it made me a better team, made me, made me a better leader, being able to encourage the young guys, encourage the older – even the, the older guys uh, that was on the team, like, to just, you know, stay focused, like, keep the eyes on the prize. So I, I feel like it ties back in with my senior season. Of course, we didn't finish how we wanted to, but I feel like the whole season we was all, we was, we was all in made a couple mistakes, but for the most part, we was all in. I feel like I was a better leader than I was my sophomore year and a better teammate. And, I mean, your senior year, you started off just, like, on a tear. You had, like, interceptions, and I don't – it was, like, three straight games or something along those lines. But um, you dealt with injuries this year too, right? And and do you feel like that kind of held you back a little bit as well? Uh, I do. I do feel like uh, the injuries I deal with, um, I'm kind of. It was like the, the injuries I deal with was kind of like my third game. Uh, I started out great. Uh, pick six, my first game. Continued to get uh, two more picks. Those two second games. So it was, 
it was a great season. I was fired up. I was ready to go. Uh, kind of slowed me down, uh, dealt with another injury. But it's just perseverance. I mean, I kept going. I, I kept my eyes on the prize state, of course. And I got a chance to play again. So I can't complain. I'm very blessed. Awesome, man. So you ended up taking your official visit June 23rd, and then you committed like right after that. I think it was like four days later. Um, You know, and there's, I remember, I think during your visit, you posted kind of this video of y'all jumping up and down. I I think that might have been when you were kind of basically going to commit. What do you remember from that trip? And and what were some of the the memories that really stood out to you? And and what led to you choosing Baylor? Uh, Yeah, it was a great trip. yeah, I, um, I really enjoyed the trip. Uh, they took care of us. They took care of us. It was a great time. We had a great time. Got to meet pretty much. I pretty much knew everybody there because I was already there like uh, a couple of times. So it was like re- re- reuniting with my family. It just felt like a big family reunion. Uh, just got to spend time, learn more about the school. Um, and then in that video you talking about, that's actually when I committed uh, we was doing like a little shoot where I was like supposed to be on the phone with Coach Rob. So nobody knew what was going on. But I told Coach Rob through the phone, I was like, I'm coming to Baylor. And it was just, it was just authentic, genuine like energy from the people, even the players that was already there. Like they celebrated with us. Uh, my mom was dancing. It was just a great experience. That's awesome, man. I mean, yeah, the video, I mean, it's just pure joy, man. From everyone, is that kind of the the vibe that you get just being around the Baylor program as much as you have? Yeah, so it's definitely like a, a joy, like just just like I said, reuniting with all my family. It's like we've been knowing each other for years. Yeah, so I mean, I gotta ask. I know this year, you know, things didn't go very well for Baylor. Uh, it was a tough season. Um, you know, when you sat back and kind of watched the season unfold, you know, did you have any doubts? about, you know, whether you were, you were going to stick with Baylor or was there anything that you kind of saw that just made you go, oh, you know what, it's going to be okay when I get there? Um, well, I'm, um, I'm actually uh, – I had a uh, co- coach – I mean, Al Presley, he, you know, he, he was a player, a wide receiver that came from my school, Southern High School. And I was, you know, in contact with him and he was just – he was just telling me, like – um. Yeah, they're having a rough season, but it's all going to change. Like, he was saying, like, Coach Aranda had a plan. He always was encouraging about Coach Aranda. And I came to a few games myself, and we lost – yeah, we lost both of the games I came to, but I was all in. I came back to school telling people, like, we was going to get it right. So I, I always had belief, even the last game. I thought we was going to win it. We ended up not winning it. But, you know, it's rough times, but it's just about getting back on track. And just remembering why you started, like never forgetting the, the mission. Yeah, and one thing, you know, that I'm sure you noticed that I know a lot of people did, a lot of young guys got to play this year. Um, is that something you're kind of hoping that you can do? You know, if you go in, do you feel like you can make an impact? And do you like that you could get the chance to make that impact? Yes, sir. Uh, I definitely very excited about that. Uh, I'm looking forward to going down there and, he needed 100 miles per hour, like, trying to get in and, and make an impact for sure. So I got to ask you, Kylan, you know, you're currently rated by 247 as the uh, number 194th rated prospect in the state. 
And I, I, you're one of the, to me, I have one of the biggest issues with your rating compared to where I think you should be rated. Um, what does, what, when I, when I say that to you, do you feel like you're pretty underrated and, and do you play with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder because of that a little bit? Uh, actually, I, I try not to think so much about that stuff because, you know, people with pains, I try to just, uh, I mean, I don't really play. I that really don't motivate me to, you know, play. It's just I feel like I I got a natural chip on my shoulder, like just wanting better, wanting like you know to prosper. So I don't really pay too much attention to that stuff. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. I get you for sure. So um, I know recent weeks. Did you already have your in-home visit with Dave Veranda? Yes, sir. Okay, what was that like? What what was the conversations like? What was he telling you? Just kind of what stood out? Um, the conversations they were uh, very uplifting, uh, very reassuring. You know, with the season they had, it's always you know speculation about uh, coaches leaving, like what's to come for the program. And it was just we just talked about the changes that were made. Uh, him being more involved in uh, defense, him being more involved with uh, my position. So it was, it was very uplifting, uh, very reassuring. And I, I can say, like, I'm, uh, I got my faith in Coach Aranda. Like, I'm ready to do it with him. So, Absolutely. I did want to ask you about that. Did Specifically, did he mention – I mean, I know he's going to kind of take over play calling and being more involved day to day. Um and he obviously was an elite defensive coordinator for a long time and still really is. Um, do you like that he's kind of going to be taking more of a hands-on approach? Yes, yeah, so I, I think that's very important for like, um, like it's just, it's just for the best view of the program, like him, him being able to come in and say, okay, let's make these changes. No matter what I got to do, I got to call the plays. I got to do this. Like, let's make the changes. Let's, Let's start working towards something better. So that was that was I, I like to hear that from him. Yeah. So I know you're early enrolling. Um, so what have you been doing to prepare for that? I know that can kind of be stressful. I'm sure you're trying to get all your classes done and everything. But what what's that process been like to to kind of get ready to enroll at Baylor? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's been that difficult. I I always been a worker, so it's part of my mentality. Like before. Before this, I was working. Uh, after it, I was working. So I'm just still working. I'm preparing myself to get there. I know there's going to be some changes. I know I'm going to have, have to adapt some things. But it's like I'm ready to work. So i just been uh, training, uh, lifting, uh, making sure I'm getting my, my sleeping habits right, eating good, you know, just doing everything so I can be as prepared as I can for when I get there. Nice. And I, I mean, as far as kind of leading up to this and, and leading up to signing day, you know, what's kind of been the message from your parents, your family, just how excited are they for you to, you know, have this moment? Uh, my parents are very excited. Um, they just always tell me, like, I always have faith, uh, like have faith and uh, just like stick to stick to what I know, like everything they taught me, just just go in there and be myself and buy in and have trust. That's great, man. I mean, if you were to say to Baylor fans who are listening, you know, what Kylan Reed is going to bring to the table at Baylor, what would you say that would be? 
You want me to give you like one word or you want me to give you a couple words or however many words you want, man. It can be one, it can be a whole paragraph, whatever you want. Um I would say I'm bringing uh uh leadership, uh competitiveness. Uh, I love to compete. I love to challenge others around me to be better. Um even if I'm not playing, uh as soon as I want to, I still want to be able to bring that leadership, bring I, I want to be able to make others around me better, just not myself. I want to make myself better, but also bring people with me. I think that's an important thing in football, just uplifting others, like getting more people on board. Because the more people on board, the the farther you go, to be honest. So there you go. There is linebacker Kylan Reed, our final interview on this signing day special for the 2024 class. And, uh, well, hopefully things go as planned and there's not like a lot of revisions needed here because kind of hard. Normally we'd have like the faxes, uh, so to speak, air quotes, yeah. faxes flying in and, and doing that live. Commitment videos. Commitment yeah. videos, all sorts of craziness. But it's pretty cut and dry unless just some unexpected drama happens. But uh, a really big time player for this relatively small class and a good way to end things there with one Kyland Reed. So there you go. Baylor with 15 pledges, expected to sign 13 to 14, could sign all 15. We'll see when all is said and done, but there is as uh, in-depth of a rundown as you can get on the entire class, as well as the transfers uh, who have not uh, officially signed just yet, like Daquan Finn and also uh, Christian Jenkins. Uh, Cameron. Cameron Jenkins. Yeah. News a C. Uh, Cameron Jenkins uh, as well. Those being the two transfer portal commitments, but I don't know when they're going to sign exactly, but they're in the fold now. So Baylor now needs a tight ends coach after the Sean Bell departure, but they've got their transfer portal quarterback. Just need to ink this class, and we'll see. Like, do they have to work on Alex Foster some more? Um, and then I guess it's just all transfer portal really from here on out, right? And you hire a tight ends coach, that should, you know, cement that for right now. Um, but then, yeah, a lot of focus on the portal. And, I mean, I guess that's that's kind of about it leading into spring ball. Yeah, I think that's where they're at. You're going to have a dead period right now until um, I believe it's January 12th. Um, but there is a period in there, the 3rd through the 7th. That's where Baylor and other schools are going to have guys on visits in the transfer portal. That's going to be a big visit weekend for uh, the Baylor staff and for many staffs across the country. And then things open up again the 12th all the way through till the second National Signing Day in early February be- before closing up again. So uh, lots of room. Uh, to add players, lots of room to recruit, and also during this time, basically off, essentially, lots of room to still send out texts, send out emails, calls, get to know people, but visits are going to be uh, limited until the 3rd through the 7th. So we'll all get to kind of take a deep breath, and Lord knows everybody needs it. There's still bowl games going on, but... Uh, with Christmas and New Year's on the horizon, we'll have those big bowl games. But I think everybody in this college football world needs a little bit of a breather here and there because it is truly year-round now at this point, more so than ever before. So big, um, big moment in the calendar here with this first National Signing Day. And then bowl season, a little bit of a breather, but the transfer portal is still going to be going crazy, and Baylor will be active there. Um, so just stay tuned to Sikkim365.com for all the latest on... Uh, the rumor mill and potential targets and visits and things like that. But congratulations to the class of 2024 and everybody signing and making their dreams come true on Wednesday and in particular to the uh, class 
that Baylor is bringing in, uh, who we've been fortunate to hear from some of them live on this, or not live, but uh, on this show today, and uh, look forward to hearing from them again in the future, and we'll see on the other side of uh, just uh, how the dust settles, I guess, with a couple of players in particular. But uh, final thoughts, Grayson, as we wrap up this signing day special here. I mean, I, I think that a lot of people have had question marks about this class, and I understand the ranking isn't extremely high, isn't something that I know a lot of people want to see. But I do think if you look a little bit deeper and you actually look at offer lists, you look at the production from some of the guys in this class, I do think this has a chance to be uh, a fairly special class and a class that has some hidden gems that really sneak up on you. And that I just want to put that out there because I know there's a lot of pessimism about what this class is going to be like, but I do think it's filled with not only just quality individuals, but also quality players when you really dive a little bit deeper and kind of figure out what they bring to the table. Stars don't always matter. And I think this is a perfect example of a class that kind of uh, really points to that. So time will tell, ultimately. It always does, and, you know, we'll see over these next weeks, months, and years of, you know, what this looks like on the other side. Perhaps we're talking about the most underrated but best Baylor class in history in three or four years from now. Um, perhaps we're talking about something different. I don't know, but it seems like a great group of players and uh, some people that fit Baylor well and are excited to be a part of what Dave Aranda's got going on. So uh, we thank all of you for tuning in to this signing day special and uh, being with us for these last uh, nearly two and a half hours, but two plus hours, that's going to about do it for us. Thanks to Garrett Ross behind the scenes for navigating and weaving throughout uh, all of these different interviews and segments and whatnot. Uh, thank you, Grayson, for all of your information and background and everything when it comes to this class and uh, the interviews as well. And uh, thank you to those of you out there listening. If you haven't already, please press the like button and the subscribe button on the Baylor Athletics on Sikkim 365 page. And uh, we're going to take a break for Christmas next week, so there won't be a BearCast. So enjoy this signing day special, and that'll be it for a couple of weeks. We'll see you on the other side of the holidays. But thanks so much for the support all year round. And, um, man, just uh, I, guess I'm, I guess that's all there is to say. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you soon. Congrats to the 2024 class. This has been the Signing Day Special on Sikkim365.com.